And I'm telling you, the devil is not going to have this nation. And you're, the American people are not going to spend their lives being on 90 different medications, sick and afflicted. It's time for revival. It's time for the fire of God to set this generation free. Every hand in the air, Lord, we give you praise tonight. You are worthy of our praise. Make your heart available to the Holy Ghost tonight. Will you do that? That wasn't good enough. Will you do that? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We come tonight expecting in Jesus' mighty name. Church shouts. Welcome to the platform, evangelist and pastor, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Praise you, Lord. Wow, one more time. Give Jesus a great big hand clap. Full house. You know, it's just me today, right? No Jeremy Camp or anything. Uh, where is Mary from Switzerland? Mary, bring your sister up. I know you don't know what you're clapping for, but give them a hand clap. It makes it feel less like an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, which is good. How many of you have been here enough nights to hear about the miracles that have been taking place? Well, they keep rolling. Come on. No, you can keep the boots on. It's fine. You've committed to that. Keep them on. That's your choice. Uh, tell everybody your name for the people who are watching at home and where you're from and then what happened. My name is Mary Malone. Oh, I trust you. And, okay. and this is my sister, Elena Furlan. I got married two and a half years ago in Pennsylvania, stayed in America because I was married now, so I couldn't go back to Switzerland. I grew up with her my whole life. She's five years older than me, and she was always in the hospital. So I visited her my whole life in the hospital. Um, then for 10 years, she was in a mental hospital. And after I got saved, I was so upset with the devil. God used me to deliver her from this spirit of depression. Yeah. But because since birth, she had a heart, um, a hole in her heart. So when she was five, she had an open heart surgery. And then 25 years later, she had another open heart surgery. And um, for years, since we got saved, we agreed, we prayed for a miracle. We went to many revival meetings. So, and it didn't happen. So she stood in faith. Now I was separated from her because I live in America and she's in Switzerland. And she didn't want to come and visit me because she was afraid to fly. And she was never in an international flight. She said, I'm not coming to visit you. I'm afraid. I'm not coming. And my friend, Pastor Martina, taught her the scripture, how to overcome fear. After three months, 
she decided, we booked the flight, she came. So... And because I'm her sister, and I'm too close, I can't believe what happened. You understand? Because I saw God moving through me to other people, and I didn't really believe it will happen one day, even we fasted and prayed. So I brought her... She had a hole in her heart. Yeah. And then she had a pulmonal klappe. What does it mean in English? A pulmonal... You know, the, the, the clock that goes. Yeah. So, because of all of that, she, okay. She had heart is insufficient. What is heart insufficient? No, heart insufficiency. What is that in, I think it's called like that. The heart didn't work, okay, heart deficiency, it didn't work more than 35% on one side and 30, 37% on the other side for years, and it got worse. So in May, she had a stroke because the blood, there was blood cloth developing and because the heart was not doing right. And we have all the papers here in English that's the other weird thing. We asked him to write everything in English down so she can travel because we didn't believe that the doctors will allow her to travel, but the doctors gave the okay with the whole paper. So she came with a lot of medication. Fact, I brought her here yesterday. You saw what happened yesterday. He called her out. He doesn't know the story of her. He doesn't know anything. So he said two things. She has 35% working in her lungs. Her lungs are also not good. And her heart needed a miracle. They told her if they do another surgery, she will not make it. So that's why they didn't want to make another surgery because they believed she will not make it. So they gave her a lot of medication to just add a few years. So yesterday she came. He said, there's something in you, in you that will be healed, that needs healing. But there is something else, a miracle, something that needs to be created. So. Yes. And that's why I got touched, because I know the whole detailed story. He didn't. That's why I got touched when he said specifically to do these two things. I knew he, her lungs need to be healed, but the heart needs a miracle. They they told they don't give her more than 10 years. So she's 51. So, and yesterday she received that miracle. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, so then tell them what you told me, what happened when you went home. Yeah, so, you know, it's, I had to tell her we need to test something because actually we, sh we should go to a doctor and do the ultrasound. How can you prove but there must be something you can prove. So I told her, is there anything you couldn't really do? Yeah, she lives now with us in our house and we have two stairs. Do you say stairs? One up. Staircase, thank you. Staircase. And she said, since she's been here, she has to stop. She goes the first staircase and then she stops and she breathes like that. And that's 
underestimated. Was it even worse, right? Like, so then she needs to stop and then she goes the next staircase. So when we came home, she didn't tell me, we came home at 1 a.m. She went up and this morning I said, is there anything you couldn't do before? And she said, yeah, I went up the stairs and I didn't really breathe, really, like. So <laughs> when she told me, you know, I still don't want to believe, but I want to believe, you know, like. So I said, okay, let's do now. Go up again. I want to see. Go up once, twice. I want to see. Can you do more than one? So she did two, two times. And she was breathing like I would breathe too when I go up twice. So it was... Yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Danke. Great testimony. Give, give our two Swiss friends a big hand clap. Hey, wait. Hey, your sister. You, you look, the coloring in your skin is different from last night. The, the, the gray is gone. Yeah. Congratulations. Give Jesus a great big hand clap for all that he's done. Man, one miracle like that after another. So I'm talking to, to my guys that are here. Make sure you get that on video and then not to tell you how to do your job, but it, if you take the part where they referenced what happened the night before, then you can cut to that video from last night and show everybody what happened rather than just lazily playing it with no editing. Amen. Sorry about the negativity. Now that that's out of the way, how many are happy, how many are happy to be in the house of God tonight? Well... Before you're seated, I want to introduce a very special guest, all the way from Puerto Rico by way of Pittsburgh. Came in last night at midnight, and um, she has been a jet engine on my side in the ministry. She holds down the entire church when I'm on the road, including we had the police called to our church because someone started a Facebook group complaining that we're passing out literature to people, which uh, turns out is legal. She handled the whole thing herself with a police officer who turned out to be a former pastor, and uh, they got to talking about the things of God. A, a person I admire. My advice if you're single, marry somebody you admire. Makes it easy to stay married, and I'm going to introduce you to one of the very few people I admire, my wife, Adonis Shuttlesworth. Give her a hand clap. I'm going to have her come up and greet you. Thank you, thank you so much. Wow, it's hot in here. I don't know why you made me come all the way up there because we all know you are not gonna stay up on this platform. He's a mover, he's an evangelist. But it is an absolute honor. This is the second time I'm here and I really love this church. I love your pastors. You guys are so blessed. And I wanna remind you of that today. You are a blessed people to be in this in this church, in this congregation, in this house, because there is nobody like these two. I want to say, 
they're heroes to me in the faith, really. And I, I'm not saying that to try to like, you know, make them love me. They already really, really love me. Maybe even more than my husband. So I'm really telling you this because they are absolutely amazing. And it's leaders like this that America needs. Can you say amen? But I was praying for you this morning. And you know me, I am not a nut job, okay? I don't get like these like, you know, sprinkle dust fairy the words, okay? But one thing that I did receive from the Holy Ghost tonight was the word surprise. And I feel very strongly in my spirit that God is gonna surprise you tonight. I believe that. I'm not a weirdo, look at my eyes. But I really felt that. I feel like whoever came in here and you thought that God was going to take, it's going to take God 15 years to do the work that he needs to do. I want you to know he's going to do it tonight. Can you say amen? God has something very special for you. Say me. 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 And if nobody else wants it, I'll take it for you. But God wants to do something very special for you tonight. Can you say amen? Can I bless you? Lift up your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here. And I pray, Father, that every person who came in here expecting your hand to move on their behalf will not leave here the same way they came in. Father, even now, you go and arrest every one of those children that have gone astray. And by your Holy Spirit, you gather every child coming back to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we declare healing over every person in this place. I declare every tumor to dissolve. I command every death sentence to be eradicated in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Financial breakthrough, breakthrough after breakthrough, turnaround after turnaround in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That heavy load that you carried for so long breaks off of you even now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, from now until Christmas, I thank you that these will be the most glorious weeks of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for surprising us today in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and give him a high five. Say you look good today. And after you do that, you can be comfortably seated. You have so many negative people that are Christians, that uh, I like taking time to show what God's actually doing in the nation. I see people even on Christian television that say God's judging America, church attendance is down, and uh, I don't know who they hang out with, but I know who they don't hang out with. I know they don't hang out with Rodney Howard Brown, because you couldn't go to that church and say that church attendance is down when it's tripled. I know they don't hang out with Pastor Tom and his wife, because if uh, this church is about quadrupled or more, maybe 4.5x four, 4 since COVID. So what happens is when you hear people report religious data that there's less people going to church now than ever before, the data is bad because, and I, I'm going to have a demographer on Check the News and talk to him about this, because who gets Pastor Rodney's data? When Pastor Rodney had his youth conference up in Tampa, and they had 1,700 teenagers there. But then you read that no, no kids are going to any kind of, uh, that day's over, 
teenagers all work now, so they don't really go to youth camps in the summer. Well, what is it? How do you have one with 1,700 and then you have other people saying that no one goes? Is, is somebody being dishonest? No, the data is bad because all that's collected is denominational data. So what happens is if somebody's not in a denomination, when Pastor Rodney has those 1,700 kids and a bunch of them get baptized in the Holy Ghost, our whole youth group, we sent our church from Pittsburgh down there, every teenager got baptized in the Holy Ghost and demanded when they came back that we have two youth services a week instead of one. They were both packed. They had a fire night just that was devoted to the, the, the move of the Spirit, and then they had their regular youth uh, night without reaching all that. Who collects that data? When our church started at 260 this year, and then we hit 1,054 and had 544 first-time visitors in one Sunday, who, who got the data? Nobody did because I'm not in the denomination. So no one collects it and no one reports it. They only report denominational data and miss every independent church. That's a fact. And the move of God, I'm not saying that no denominational churches are having a move of God, but denominations across the board are in rough shape. They would tell you that. Their Bible colleges are in rough shape. Uh, they're in rough shape. So because they only collect denominational data, they, they miss a lot of what God's doing. So I wanted to show you this to show you what God's doing. That's why I pay a lot of extra money and film what goes on. That's why I film these miracles and get those videos produced. So it's not, well, I believe in miracles. Well, I don't believe in miracles. And then we are, no, I have video. And the devil did not heal those people. Jesus healed those people. So I like to prove what I believe. And uh, you have to believe it first, but then what you believe becomes reality. And then if you get it on film, there, you can't argue with a miracle. That lady's ultrasound comes back and there's no hole in the heart. There's nothing you can say. You just have to be quiet. A miracle, T.L. Osborne used to say, a miracle settles the question. That's what happened to John Osteen. John Osteen was a Baptist pastor who got baptized in the Holy Ghost and they kicked him out of the denomination because you're not, you're not, they don't believe in that. So he starts a church from scratch. He liked the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the speaking in tongues part, but he had a hard time with miracles. Whereas Kenneth Hagin was different. He got healed as a Baptist and would hang around Pentecostals because they believed in healing, but he didn't like, as he said, I was willing to put up with some foolishness, talking about tongues, to be around people that believed in divine healing because I knew God had healed me. So John Osteen believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but from all his years in Baptist seminary, no, I don't believe that those miracles are real. That's just the power of suggestion or whatever. So T.L. Osborne's doing a meeting in Houston, Texas, and he meets John Osteen and he says, listen, before we have anybody come up and testify, we have pastors verify their story. So he said, just be one of the pastors. And if it's fake and you can tell the people are lying, then you'll know. But then, then if you see it and you believe it's real, then at least you'll know. And he said, after the third person came up crying that their child that was born deaf can hear or their child that was born mute can now speak and the mother crying, he said, that was all I need to know. So it's important to show these things. That's part of the reason. I, I don't even go on television, really. Number one, I go on by de, the Lord spoke to me to. Number two, it's not all about outreach and numbers and grabbing partners. People need to see that the move of God didn't die in 1970. Jesus is not coming back for a weak and defeated church. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And the Bible says when Jesus changed the water into wine, most people serve the best stuff up front, but you have saved the best for last. God always saves the best for last. 
everything that Lester Summerall did and Kenneth Hagin and, and uh, R.W. Schambach and Oral Roberts, it built something for today that now it's time. These meetings didn't exist. How does Pastor Tom get to 1,000 people in two years up, up, from, up from 200? How did I go to 1,000 in a little bit of time? Now we're, we're back down around six, 700 and then building from there, but still it's only been 10 months. Is it because I'm a super good pastor? Or did people, well, thank you. Wish we'd have met when I was younger. Despite what that woman said, is it because I'm a super good pastor? No, it's not. It's because, it's because there's an acceleration of what God's doing on the earth. And I'm going to preach on a little bit tonight. And I've actually been mulling some things over for the last three days. I called three different preachers that I respect because I wanted to get this hashed out doctrinally before I preached it, what God's been putting on my heart for the new year. And I'm going to get to it. So uh, I want to show you what the Lord did in Pittsburgh this year. I, I felt to start doing outdoor crusades again. Wow, I got a whole slew of people. People keep coming. It's 8.09. If we were at a normal church, you'd only get to hear 11 more minutes of, of service. Praise God. Glad you're here tonight. Drove a long way, I know. Love you, Brother Rojas. God bless you. God bless you all. Love you guys. I know you were helping to sneak in and I ruined everything, but <laughs> I love you. And I love, I love you here tonight. I look over the crowd, I know probably, I know a good percentage of the people that are here. You matter to me. I don't preach a long time because I hate going home and being alone with my family. <laughs> I preach a long time because, you know, some people, how many of you drove two and a half hours or more? See your hand. How many drove two hours or more? People are lying. It takes two hours to get from Northport to Northport. <laughs> you know, like when, when we were in Canada, there were people that flew from all different provinces and took off work and got hotels and were in both services. Actually, our largest attended uh, service last, Sunday, last Saturday. I did a Saturday morning and Saturday night. And after Friday night, we ran it to almost midnight, which I'm not, I'm not going to do tonight. Or am I? But, uh, but I, I'm not planning to, but I'm just saying, after I finished the midnight service, I actually had thought before the service, I'm gonna try to wrap up around 10 because I have a Saturday morning and Saturday night and end up going even later. I, so when I woke up in the morning, I thought, it was a mistake to have Saturday morning and Saturday night. After that late night service, I'm gonna come there, it's gonna be a complete ghost town. Saturday at 10 a.m., that's prime cartoon watching hours. And I come in there, and we have the biggest morning crowd, 171 people, Saturday at 10 a.m. in a 300-seater, and then Saturday night was completely packed out the doors. Those Canadians were hungry. They were, they were sad it was over. They hadn't been in any kind of meetings like that for two and a half years. And it was great. And then here, you see the place comfortably full. And God's doing something. How do you, how do you tell but the day of revival meetings is over. People aren't hungry for the word anymore like they used to. People have been coming to church here for four hours a night, all week, and twice on Sunday. Don't run America down to me. God's hand is on this nation. The thing's going in the other direction. Can you say amen? People are all disappointed about the midterm elections. Apparently, they don't know what results mean. 
you won. Amen. For the first time since the Reconstruction era after the Civil War, Florida has no Democrat serving in statewide office. That's not in Nebraska or Iowa, that's in Florida. Miami went plus eight red. That's a miracle. Wow, nobody left. Usually if you say something like that, you have one lady that's 72 years old that's pro-choice that storms out. Why are you pro-choice? You haven't been able to get pregnant since the Reagan administration. I don't, I don't understand you. No one likes you. You'll never be pregnant, no matter what legislation they pass, so relax. You ever see all the pro-choice supporters? We must defend reproductive rights. You're 80. You don't have a reproductive system anymore. So just relax and enjoy the vanilla pudding. Amen. Stop being angry at things that have nothing to do with you. You have as much chance of getting pregnant as I do. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I wanted, you to, I wanted to show you what the Lord's doing in the nation. I felt to do, we were doing all these outdoor crusades in America, then COVID hit, and uh, couldn't really do that. And then I felt the green light at the beginning of this year to, to start doing them again. So I wanted to do one in my city, because for the first time now, I could not only be the evangelist that did the meeting, I could be the pastor in charge of follow-up. And I would have, now we had a lot of good pastors we worked with, but we also had a lot that would say, we never saw one family come in from all those souls that got saved. Well, you don't wait for them to come in, genius. You bring them in. You compel them to come in. And I always had this sneaking suspicion. And I heard this for 20 years. Well, Jonathan thinks of those things because he's an evangelist, but he would find out if he pastored that, that what? I'm finding out all my theories were true. That the reason no one came to the, your church after the evangelistic meeting is you were too cheap to follow up on them. Because if you get 2,000 people saved, you can't pack them into one five-seat car. You have to charter buses. That day that we had 544 first-time visitors, it cost me about $40,000 in extra expenses. And then your church grows, you gotta build, everything, everything's expense, the expenses grow. We went, our sound system rental was $30,000 a week at our church in that dome. As the church grew, you had to keep adding in speakers and all that, and then we, anyway, you keep going. But I made up my mind, if the whole goal is to win the lost. See, if you're in a business, the goal is to make money and save money and increase profits. But in ministry, the goal is not to have a, an awesome balance sheet, though you end up with one anyway somehow. The goal is to spend money to save souls. How many of you saw that, that evangelistic meeting we did in um, Sturgis, South Dakota? The guy that was super nice to us that ran that stage at, at that venue, he wanted to meet with me before I left. And he said, uh, how do you do what you do? I didn't know what he meant, like if he meant preaching or what. He said, I know you have at least $250,000 in that stage and sound system. And he said, you're not charging tickets because there's other venues going on, rock concerts or whatever. They got the same stage, but you got to pay to get in. Then now even Christians do the same thing. $1,000 uh, to come hear a worship band. And then if you buy a VIP ticket, you can actually shake hands with them after. Wow. I got to shake your hand. That's great. I've never met a semi-good musician before. 
So he says, uh, you're not charging tickets and you haven't taken offerings, which I normally do, but I forgot. But he could just see, he was sitting in his room thinking, how do you do it? So he said, how do you do what you do? Money was, I don't get it. He said, I said, well, see, in your business, your goal is to make money. In my business, the goal is to win people to Christ. So I said, my balance sheet is not profit and loss financially. My balance sheet are souls saved and souls lost. And I said, I know people don't actually believe this, even Christians, even ministers. But I told them, I said, God wants these people to know him. So the more I go after them, the more money flows to bring them in because God is the financier of his own business. And actually, you hear, you hear preachers say this a lot. Well, we're only able to do what we do based on who gives. And if people don't give, it hinders the work of the Lord. No, the Lord will never be hindered. Let me ask you this. If everybody stopped praising God, would the praise to God stop? What would happen? If everyone stopped giving, would the church of the Lord stop advancing? No. Ravens can bring bread and meat. Gold coin in a fish's mouth. Rain manna from heaven. When they got sick of rain and manna, God said, I'll send you so much quail, you'll puke it up. I'll, even when God gets mad, he gives you more than enough. Can you say amen? amen? So nothing will ever be hindered by the work of the Lord. You know, I've, I've brought up the last two weeks ad nauseum when the Lord, because it was a turning point in my life. When I was sitting last October and felt to sow a $100,000 seed to Pastor Rodney's building, that building, <laughs> I've had people tell me before, you've been a big help to Pastor Rodney. Yep, and he was doing just fine for 35 years before we ever met. <laughs> me sowing that building, you think if I didn't give that offering, that church wouldn't get, go up? That, even the 100,000 is a fraction of what's needed. That offering was not an opportunity to help him. That offering was an opportunity for God to bless me. When God can find somebody, he gives the people first crack at it. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and open a blessing that's so great. Pour out a blessing that's so great you won't have room enough to take it all in. Try it and let me prove it to you. But if I don't give, God's hand is committed to what God's ordered. Can you say amen? amen. So I, I, you hear people talk about packing stadiums, right? I'm just going to throw in, you know, this is my last night with you. Let me just throw in a few things. So I feel to do a big crusade in Pittsburgh. And then one of the guys that owns one of the sports teams in Pittsburgh started coming to my church. And, and, and we struck up. I mean, if he's watching, I don't know if he'd consider it a friendship or not. But I, I consider him my friend. I like him a lot. I like him a whole lot. And he cares about our ministry and has no reason to have to. He's a very unique individual, especially in that way. So... He owns the stadium. We start making plans to rent that stadium. Well, in April, I'm preaching in Oregon. And Adonis is running the meeting. Pastor Rodney came for two nights. Pastor Rodney gave the altar call. A bunch of people came up to get saved. And right mid-altar mid call, mid-sinner's prayer, Pastor Rodney said, I see a stadium packed with people. He said, there's a stage, then a field, then stands. And he said, it's not my ministry. And he pointed at Adonis and McGonis and said, it's your ministry. And he said, I see people streaming down out of those stands onto the field to get saved by the thousands. Well, we were already on that plan. Everybody say confirmation. confirmation. 
but he didn't know anything about it. We hadn't inked anything, but, but that's where we were headed. Now, here's how you don't waste your life. I'm not going to be 60 years old saying, one day Pastor Rodney gave a word that we're going to fill stadiums, and bless God, I know one day that's going to happen. Things don't happen. You don't wait for prophecy to happen. You run with prophecies. So if that's the word, and I've had people say, Jonathan, I believe one day you're going to fill stadiums. Then what do you do? Start with a small one and pack it and then go from there. Despise not the day of small beginnings for your latter end will greatly increase. Start where you're at. So we had done fields. Now for the first time we were going to do a stadium and same thing. Inexplicably, supernaturally. I started getting text messages at 4 p.m. for the 7 o'clock meeting of lines of people down the block. We had uh, 40 LGBTQIA plus protesters. I love the plus. We give up. We're out of letters. Figure it out. We had 40 LGBTQIA plus protesters that showed up. Most of them left after they got done yelling. And then nine came inside and sat in the meeting. And all nine came forward to give their life to Jesus Christ. All in rainbow gear. So I get a little irritated when I hear that, you know, we're in a post-Christian society. Then explain what you're about to see because you're about to see a five-minute highlight clip of the devil getting his rear end kicked in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Let me say a couple more things. You know what I found out after I started the church? I found out that Young E. Cho, and this was in writing, David Young E. Cho, that at the time had the largest church on planet Earth, was praying, and the Lord told him to spin a globe, and he spun a globe, and then when the Lord said stop, he put his finger on Pensacola, Florida. This was in the early 90s. And the Lord said revival's gonna start there and then go up and settle in the Ohio River where Pittsburgh, Ohio, and West Virginia are. And he said that, he said it'll hit Toronto first and then it'll come down to Pittsburgh. So I believe, now I would be doing all this anyway, but when I start hearing stuff like that, that you're part of a divine plan. That's the great thing about hooking in with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about you and your ministry. I don't have, if people ask me at the end of this year, what are your goals for 2023? I'm going to tell them, um, what's January 1st of this year? Sunday? Because Christmas is a Sunday, so it's January 1st of Sunday. So then we'll start our fast probably on that Sunday. And I'll tell, uh, I'll tell people when they ask me what your plans are, I'll let you know on January 22nd or 23rd. Whenever we finish the 21-day fast. Because I don't get goals and ask the Lord to bless them. I ask the Lord what he would like done on the earth and what my part of it is to, to bite off. And then when I do it, when the Lord says, I didn't have a plan to start a church. I had an ironclad plan to never start a church. Ask my wife. If anyone ever asked me, do you think you'll ever pastor? They wouldn't even get to pass. And I go, no. And she would say, do you think we should ever pastor? No. Do you know how much work that is? Plus, that angel didn't say anything about pastor. He said, God's called you to be an evangelist. But to he who uses well what he's been given, he will be given even more and have an abundance. So if you steward things well, the Lord keeps dropping things in your lap. Can you say amen? amen. And then he increases your capacity to handle those things. Praise God. How you start with God is never how you finish. And you never finish backwards. You finish further than where you are now. I tell everybody in this room, if you'll get in the will of God tonight, 
Tonight is the smallest that you'll ever be in life. From this day forward, you'll go from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. If you believe that, can you say a living amen? amen. Now, just so you know, 20, uh, well, when I was 23, which would be about 19 years ago, I got invited to preach a service on Easter Sunday, the most heavily attended Sunday of the year, in Proctorsville, Vermont. There were six people there, counting me. And I counted me. Counting the pastor and his wife and three other people on Easter. The church was so small, if I bent over at the pulpit, I'd hit my forehead on the back pew. Do you know a lady actually introduced herself to me at the beginning of that meeting and said, hello, I'm sister so-and-so. I'm the head of the Sunday school department. There's no children. What did you feed them for snacks, cyanide? There's nobody here that's not in their mid-hundreds. And I stood up there, and when you look at, and they're not six energetic people. Like if it was six of you, no problem. But six disgruntled. And when I was looking at that, getting ready to preach, I thought, Lord, just checking in here. I remember a few things you showed me when I was at youth camp and when you called me to the minister about what you were going to be using me to do. The crowds and stuff. This is, does not look like what I saw. And I felt as strong as could be. Don't worry about where you are now. Stay on the right path. Because where you are now is not where you're staying. I'm taking you somewhere. I tell everybody in this place, don't worry about where you are now. Mind the path that you're on. Because if you stay on the path of God, you go forward ever and backward never. From glory, no ups and downs. From glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. I will make you always the head and never the tail. Get ready for an explosive 12 months and an explosive closeout to this year in Jesus' name. Now, after all that, watch what Jesus did in Pittsburgh. Go ahead and roll it. This is this year. This is August, September. Steel City Fest was one for the books. For the first time in Revival Today history, we did a stadium crusade in our hometown of Pittsburgh. With minor opposition online causing our social media ads to get rejected, the people of Pittsburgh knew there was something different about this event. The shares began to grow and the word began to spread about Steel City Fest. On the first night, hours before the event, lines began to form around the stadium as over 3,000 people gathered in anticipation. Three thousand eighty-five opening night. You have value. The devil has a plan to destroy this nation. The devil wants to destroy people in the inner cities. Isn't it interesting when you hear them talk about supply chain shortages? There's no shortage of fentanyl, is there? No. They're rolling drugs into the inner city as easy as they did before COVID because it's a plan to kill you. 
But God's not looking to kill you. God's looking to destroy the one that was sent to destroy you, pick you up out of the pit, and set your feet on the rock to stay. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, whosoever means me, whosoever means you, whoever decides to believe in Him, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. came a long way. Um, God has truly, truly came into my life. Um, I wanted to move forward and I've been procrastinating on trying to, you know, walk with the Lord or whatever. And, you know, so finally I said, you know what, I'm going to let go. Um, I'm coming from addiction and, uh, and God has truly delivered me. He has truly delivered me, brought me on my way. And when they say that uh, when he says, what's the song, an amazing grace, like a wretch like me, God has saved me and I'm just so happy. The second night, people came hungry for the word to be preached. We were in revival. I see the windows of heaven coming open over you tonight. I see God washing away every foul thing the devil's tried to do for your family, generation after generation of struggle and hurt. I see Jesus standing on this field, knocking the devil clean out of your life and bringing you into heaven's destiny. I'm not trying to get you signed up for a political group. I'm trying to get you to put your hand in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus and find out there's no problem that he can't eradicate if you call on his name. I haven't choked or coughed or gagged, and normally I can't breathe when I first wake up in the morning. Mind you, I was smoking weed and uh, smoking cigarettes, taking Suboxone. Woke up, they didn't feel the urge to use, so I didn't. I was like, I'm, I don't need it. I came for the fun. Yeah. And after that message, I was like, I feel like I need to bring my family back. So I came back and he won. We won a bike also, and I still don't have the urge. The final night of Steel City Fest was a night of breakthroughs and turnarounds. When you go to bed one night a slave I don't know who that is. and you wake up the next morning carrying all their gold and silver headed to your own home in Canaan, that's called supernatural breakthrough and turnaround. Man can't do that. Politicians don't have the power to do that. I don't care what election year they come through and make you a bunch of promises. They can't do it. Man does not have the capacity to lift mankind out of trouble. But Jesus, the Son of God, made flesh. He came to destroy the power of the devil and set people free. I came to tell you, when you call on him tonight, he will answer you in the mighty name of Jesus. I see the help of heaven coming to you These and your family tonight. Your children aren't meant for destruction. Your children aren't meant to have to go and try to sell drugs to get food. No, this is your hour to come out of Egypt and go into Canaan's fair land. We saw 6,010 people in attendance and 1,922 salvations for Jesus Christ. The people of Pittsburgh will never be the same.
Then we're going to make a video after, because then the next Sunday, 544 new people came in. When I took the mic, we were at 700. And uh, I told the crowd, and I'm, I'm all for honoring pastors. I'm against people who don't honor their pastor. But for me, I, I wasn't saying this to be like humble. I was saying it because it's what I wanted. Because I, I, I can buy what I want, but I can't buy what I wanted, this thing. So I said, if you want to honor me, I don't want to watch. I don't want shoes or a gift card or an ice cream cake. <laughs> the way they honor most pastors is like they're trying to give them diabetes. <laughs> Got you an ice cream cake again. Some pastors you go preach for, they give you a fruit basket in your hotel. You're preaching two nights. Did you really think I was gonna eat three bunches of bananas while I was here? <laughs> Thanks, now my hall of the end room's full of fruit flies. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm all for honoring pastors. I'm against not honoring pastors. But I, I genuinely told our people, I said, if you wanna honor me for my birthday, which was September 28th, I said, get me 700 people here. We've been at 550, 520, 460, 550. Get me 700 and I'll be happy. And so that was the two Sundays before my birthday. And I took the mic and we were at 720. I was thrilled. Then they kept coming in packs of 30s and 40s until we were at 1,056 in church, 400 of whom drove themselves. I, I, knew, I always knew they could be followed up on. But, you know, people from the inner city, it's like if you, it, you can't, it, it, I'm going to complete a sentence, but uh, <laughs> it's like Tampa. It's not even like Tampa. A lot of cities, and Pittsburgh's one of these, the airport is on one end of the town, and then downtown, the airport's nowhere near downtown. That way, when you have to land the planes, it's not like an obstacle course. The airport's way out of downtown. So Pittsburgh, the airport's about 35 minutes out of downtown. And most people in the inner, I won't say most, many people in the inner cities don't have cars. They rely on public transportation, which does not run on Sunday, and it certainly doesn't run to my church. So you can't just say, please come and provide no way to be there. You gotta, you gotta make a plan to bring in the harvest. So we ran buses, and then registration was through the roof. I was believing for 150, because I know how things work. People come to the altar, and then they fall away. So I was believing for 150 people to register and be in church. And then they said, we're at 200. We're at 300. We're at 400. We're at five. Well, I think we stopped at 400, and more people came than registered. Do you have, uh, not to throw this on you real quick, Ben, but do you have that guy, Paul? Do you have Paul's testimony? Where's Ben? Sorry, my media guy's uh, union. He's taking a 30. He gets a 30-minute break every hour. <laughs> ben, do you have Paul's testimony? This is one of the guys, he was not one of the 1,922 people that got saved. Someone that got saved asked him if you want to come with me so I don't have to go by myself. So he comes, he's in a wheelchair because he was shot 15 times. Can you believe that with the price of ammunition? It's a lot of money to spend on one hit. Fifteen times in a wheelchair, and uh, the statute of limitations isn't up on a lot of stuff, so just say he was in the world, downtown, 
as he says in his words, ripping and running for the devil. We give the altar call that day to get saved on Sunday morning. 92 more people on a Sunday morning. Now, you remember however many we had uh, when 58 people came to say they got healed. That, that took up the altar and wrapped around. 92 people come forward to get saved, extra people. And we're baptizing people and him in his wheelchair. First time in church. Can I get baptized? Will someone help me into the tank? Sure. So they help him and he gets baptized. I am telling you, that guy has not only been in every Sunday service, that guy goes to noon prayer every day, praying, and anything, you know what he told me? He said, my life's been so much different. Anything you say don't do, I don't do. And then anything you say to do, I start doing. So you said to go to church, I go to church every time you have a service. He said, I deleted my Facebook and threw my cell phone away and got a new cell phone because he said anybody that was contacting me, you know, that's not a, he wasn't in a line of work that you can retire from. So you go to retire and people are trying, trying to suck you back into that line of work. And he, he ditched it. Totally changed his life and is never not there on Sunday. Go ahead, have him tell you. My name is Paul and I'm, I'm here to speak about the importance of, of my life, how it changed, how, how it once was and what shit it is today. And to say that, that um, I lived a sinful life, the life of the world, which it led me down some bad paths. You know, it, I come from a great family, but the, the hardship and hard-headed as I had in myself, it led me to do other things that I wasn't raised to be, you know? I've been incarcerated four times. All right, guess, guess that, that'll be the end of the video, but you get, you get, you get the point. I don't know what happened. See if you can adjust the tracking on the VCR and then uh, we can play it another time. My name is... All right, go ahead. You know, I knew we were in trouble tonight when I looked back in the media booth and it's all Amish people. <laughs> They're nice guys, but it's just new territory. You have it or no? You can, you can play it if you have it. Good, good. I lived a sinful life, the life of the world, which it led me down some bad paths. You know, it, I come from a great family, but the, the hardship and hard-headed as I had in myself, it led me to do other things that I wasn't raised to be, you know? I've been incarcerated four times. Right. Take your Bible and open it with me to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. So you hear there was 1,922 people that get saved, but then sometimes it's good to see them one by one. I mean, that's one. Actually, he's not even one of the 1922. And that guy totally just did everything right off the bat. First Kings 17, verse 1. 
Now Elijah, who is from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years unless I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River and drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. Who, who, who brought Elijah his food? You know, I know you're able to do that, Jonathan, because you have so many partners, but we have a smaller ministry. You know, you have a small brain. Or you bought a Bible on discount because it was missing 1 Kings 17. Provision does not come from the people. Provision comes from God. I, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides all your needs. Not the people are Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Jireh, and I provide all your needs. If you know that to be true, can you say a living amen? Amen. So Elijah did as the Lord told him, camped by Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat, not bread and almost meat or beyond meat, bread and meat, each morning and evening. Crickets have just as much protein as beef. Good, enjoy them for me. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. So she did, as Elijah said, not believed, she did. did doing proves what you believe. A.A. Uh, uh, Allen used to say, faith is an action. Because the men dug through the, the ceiling and lowered their friend, and the Bible says, Jesus seeing their faith. Think of that. So faith, when, when that lady came up the ramp at a Brother Shambach meeting in a wheelchair, and she was holding two red high-heeled shoes as a paraplegic, and he said, what are those shoes for? She said, so I have something to wear after I get out of this chair. <laughs> then Jesus... Everybody say, seeing their faith. And then you can carry that over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul told the Corinthian church, I'm not commanding you to give, but I'm giving you a chance to prove that your love is genuine. Giving is proof. For example, since Pastor Tom brought it up, last night, right at the very end, he said, and Jonathan doesn't just talk, a couple weeks ago, he brought us a check for $50,000 to help rebuild the church. Well, what was that seed? That's proof, because one thing I hate being a preacher's kid is phony relationships in the ministry. I hate when an evangelist is friends with a pastor because he'll have me preach, and then I can get your offering, but then if he doesn't provide that anymore, then we're not friends. I don't like that. I tell you this, and you can tell I'm not lying if you look in my eyes. If he never had me preach, first of all, we've, we've been friends for two years with no, no preaching on the horizon. Secondly, if he never had me preach again, 
Our friendship is not predicated on him providing business opportunities for me. He is my friend because he kept the church open and he stood for Dr. Rodney in Tampa and me and him are friends for life, whether he likes it or not. So how are you going to talk like that and then hear your buddy's church got blown down? I'll be praying for you, Pastor Tom. Prayers don't, don't sheetrock. <laughs> Prayers don't clean out black mold. If you love somebody, you give. Mm, amens are getting tight. <laughs> the old saying is true. You can give without loving. I've done that. If, you, if you're from one of those cheap families that everybody draws a name at Christmas time, <laughs> save money, and then you put a, put a price limit on it. You know, I, if I wanted to, I could still tell you what family member it was that introduced that in my, in, in my family. Because I remember at seven years old, I would get a gift from all my uncles, and then one Christmas, this aunt goes, Instead of us buying gifts for all the nieces and nephews, why don't we draw a name and then just pick one? I remember seven thinking, shut up. You're wrecking my revenue. Thanks, Aunt Jerk. I'm this close to telling her name, but I won't. I'm getting mad all over again. I need to get the liver. It's been 35 years. I'm still. Hey, thanks. Now instead of getting 11 toys, I get one. Thanks, Aunt Bernie Sanders. So if you come from a family like that where you, everybody draws a name, and then you draw a name, I've done it before. You draw a name of your least favorite uncle. Man, it's December 24th, 2 p.m. <sighs> Head out to TJ Maxx. We close in 30 minutes. You're welcome to close now if you want. I don't even wanna be here. I gotta get a gift for Uncle Hank that made fun of my acne when I was a sophomore and I'm still not over it. Oh, here's Versace cologne that's been opened and poisoned. They're selling it for $3. Rip the red tag off and there you go. Hey, Uncle Hank, that's, that's cologne. It's made by Versace. It's like Versace, but with a B. Instead of being from Milan, it's from Dearborn, Michigan, but it's good. <laughs> so you can give with no love attached. Sometimes you can go to Applebee's and see a couple. You know it's their anniversary. There's no love. That guy knows he has to take his wife out. You, maybe I'm just picking up things in the gifts, but I'll see. You know, not one word said between them. That guy knows it's his anniversary. He knows he has to take his wife out. There's no love. You can, you can give with no love attached. And that, I'm bringing this up for a reason. Because some people do that every offering. They're consistent givers 
but they've never given. If you were here last night, what was the offering scripture? David said, 1 Chronicles 29, out of my affection for the temple of the Lord. If you ever allow yourself to get to a place, and normally I take the offering at the end, but I'm taking it up front because I want to lay hands on everybody in Florida tonight. Not you, everybody in Florida. After I finish here, I'm just going to walk Interstate 75 assaulting people. So I'm not going to get the service back after I start, so I'm, I'm, I'm receiving the offering now and giving people a chance to give. So uh, sorry if that messes you up. So if you ever let yourself get to the place where what moves God moves you, where you can't hear about something going on in the kingdom without your heart moving for it. I preached for a, a couple in India, and their government changed hands in their region. So they passed a law that if they hadn't built their church to a certain phase, by a certain date, the government would take the land back. So they told me that. And I was thinking, what can I do? You know, I don't, I'm, I'm living in an apartment at this point with a dollars. I don't, I don't even have like house money, let alone to build the church. But I thought, and they weren't scamming me. They weren't people I met on Facebook from India. I'd preached for them three times. They had multiple churches in India, great people. They were going to lose our property. They didn't ask me for money. Can you please pray? Some things aren't to be prayed about. They're to be acted upon. Again, thank you for 12% amens. And 74% stares. I don't mean to keep bringing them up over and over again, but what did Rodney Howard Brown do during the, during the hurricane? Yeah, we pray and stuff, but sent trucks, sent, sent relief, sent workers down. Faith without is? It doesn't say faith without prayer. It says faith without works. That stadium did not, that meeting did not just fall on our lap. That was work. People came up and flyered for a week and a half all over Baltimore, door to door, inviting everybody. Work. Faith without works is dead. There's a time to pray, but there's a time to act. Dr. John G. Lake said, men often use prayer as a refuge to dodge the action of faith. Think of that. Men often, that, that hit me so hard. I read that when I was 19 in Bible college. I've never forgotten. I guarantee it's word for word. Men often use prayer to dodge the action of faith. I'll keep you in prayer. Brother Tom, I heard your, your church got damaged. I'll be praying for you. There's no way the Holy Ghost told anybody to pray about that. The Holy Ghost said, great, now you're done praying, give. That's why it's irritating to hear Amazon gave a million dollars in hurricane relief. Big freaking deal. Pastor Rodney's almost at a million, and he's not Amazon. But soon he will be. Can you say amen? Because if you start giving those kind of seeds, you go straight to the top. And I see you going straight to the top, whether anybody likes it or not, whether the economic conditions are favorable or not. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. Say it out loud. I can give, I can give. Without, loving, without loving, but I can't love, but I can't love. Without, giving. without giving. God so the world that he what did he give? An angel? His only son. Guys, don't pass the, the envelopes out yet. Because then, then people correlate it that I'm like, this is me working you for money. Well, he took a 45-minute offering. No, I taught on giving for 45 minutes. Then we took a two-minute offering. 
I'm teaching on giving. This is not to work an offering out of you. I'm going to get a huge offering whether I teach this or not. That's how it goes. I get offerings when I'm not trying to get offerings. I had a pastor rebuke me from the platform. The guy was the biggest jerk I've ever preached for in my life. Rebuked me by name, said after I leave, he's going to deal with what I said, that the evangelist is welcome to kick rocks for all I care on Sunday morning, then invited me up to speak. And I never mentioned it. So praise the Lord, everybody. How many of you are glad to be here? Preached, gave an altar call to get saved, and then gave the mic back to him. And he had told me he didn't want me there anymore. So I left, walked out, no offering. As I walked out, 80% of the crowd followed me out the door and put checks in my hand, $36,650 with no offering. So you, you, you can't not bless me. You can't bless what God has cursed. And, and that's the problem liberal politicians have. You can't bless what God has cursed. You cannot punish people economically that are living righteous to fund the consequences of sin. Well, I should be free to live however I want. That's right. And you're also free to pay for it. But I'm not paying for your abortions. I'm not. I'm not working extra. I'm not spending extra time away from my wife and daughter to buy your condoms. You are free to live however you want and pay for your own stuff. Can you say amen? Then, then they, while I'm on the subject, while my blood pressure is up, then they try to twist the giving stuff. No, but don't you hear that, Jonathan? The Bible talks about giving and having compassion. Yeah, it does talk about being generous, but not the government controlling where the money goes to fund Planned Parenthood. God's, I'm going to tell you this right now, and I promise you I'm not saying it for hype or effect. It'll be a cold day in hell with the devil licking an ice cream cone. When one penny of God's seed money goes to pay for Planned Parenthood expenses, I don't care what laws they pass, God's money will never go there. There are certain things I'm willing to go to jail for and die for. Not in a zillion years. Can you say amen? amen. Say out loud, God's money, God's money. is holy money. While I'm wound up, let me say a couple other things. So when I went to Pastor Rodney's minister's conference, right, I stayed in the, um, well, I won't say it because now I can get sued. I've had to flip a switch because no one cared what I was saying. No one watched. There was no live stream. So you can just say whatever you wanted. Now you can get sued and stuff. So I was staying at a casino hotel near Tampa. So when you get to your room, because it, 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 it's very close to the church. So I'm staying there. Plus it has a restaurant that's open late. And after Pastor Rodney gets done preaching, that's one of three restaurants you can eat at in the entire East Coast. <laughs> so I wanted to eat there and go up and collapse. Plus I'd be close to the church. So I go there and I flip the TV on and it comes on the casino channel. You know what they're doing? They're playing testimonials of people that have won um, Jack, jackpots and uh, what's the other game? Baccarat. That's the one. So this guy says, this is the testimonial. Word for word, because it plays on a loop. I heard it a million times, and it was ticking me off, which as you can see is not hard to do. I still haven't even gotten over my one aunt that introduced Yankee Christmas. This is what this guy's testimonial is. I was literally down to my last $4, and I put it on the table and won $212,000.
And I just want to say to anybody watching, don't give up, even if you're down to your last four dollars. And when I saw that, I thought, I will never apologize for talking about the 100-fold return again. Because if the devil, how about interviewing some people that gave their last four dollars and then are now in prison because they don't have enough for child support or lost their job or couldn't pay their house and got it repossessed, you lousy devil, then I'm supposed to apologize for telling people that if you put your money in the kingdom of God, that it comes back 30, some 60, and some 100 fold? I tell you right now, I'm not sorry. I don't apologize. The casino is not where you go to get blessed, but God is a blesser. He is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Well, go ahead. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody shout hallelujah. You can love without, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You fall in love, you start giving. If you love something, you give. If you love football, you find a way to get $375 for a ticket when you make $280 a week <laughs> after taxes. People do. That football stadium's not filled with upper, upper uh, middle class and upper class people and elites. There's people there that are making $11 an hour that found a way to get $400 bucks plus $80 in parking to get to the game, and they don't say one nasty word. They're $80 for parking. No, they pay it. Then walk a mile to the stadium and sing. We are the Buccaneers. No, you're not. You're not a Buccaneer. You have a Buccaneer jersey. You're the Buccaneers? Try to get on the plane. Somebody's going to knock you out because you're not a Buccaneer. And then my city's the worst, Pittsburgh. Everybody thinks they're the, Pittsburgh's the only city. If you're going to fly to Pittsburgh, you don't even have to know what gate you're at. Just look for the gate that has 75-year-old women wearing Ben Roethlisberger jerseys. Everybody's got a Steelers jersey on the whole city. We're the Steelers. Where did you see what we're doing? What are we thinking? Why did we sign that guy? They love it. If there's a big Steeler game, a lot of churches will cancel the service at night or have it played in the church. The Steelers own the People love it. People find a way to get the money for it. You find a way to get the money for what you love. When you love something, Billy Graham, who nobody would call a prosperity preacher, said, I can tell you everything I need to know about somebody and what they love by looking at their checkbook, which very few people have those anymore, but you know what he meant. If you show me what you spend money on, I'll show you what you love. And what I'm trying to tell you is people think <laughs> that they need to teach people about giving. But when people fall in love, A, with God's kingdom, a, with God. B, with the things that have to do with God. Say this out loud. Love God. Love what God loves. What does God love? Souls. Who did Jesus die for? People. How many people did he die for? All souls are mine, says the Lord. Ezekiel 18, 4. All souls belong to me. All those 1,922 people, Jesus died for them. Someone had to get the message to him to give Jesus what he paid for with his blood. And bring God the Father. The, the husbandman hath long patience for the precious fruit of the earth. That's God. You can't love somebody and not love what they love. Hey, Adonis, I love you, but don't talk to me about stuff you're interested in because I don't care about it. 
No, if you love somebody, you find yourself sitting next to them watching the Hallmark Channel, those stupid movies. Why? Because you, you, you love your wife. So you'll do things she loves that you have no interest in because you can't love somebody without loving what they love. Can you say amen? amen? Some of you ladies that are here have been out fishing and you hate fishing. But your husband loves it, so you go with him. Some of you ladies that are here learned to golf because your husband liked golfing and he wanted you to come along with him and you learned to do it because you love him. You can't love someone and not love what they love. By the way, I tweeted just before church, I'm raising the capital to buy the Hallmark Channel and make every movie end with Rambo killing everyone in the whole town. Because I would never miss a movie. That'd be like the best. Now that I could watch. Say it out loud. I can give without loving. But I can't love without giving. When I fell in love with Adalis, I took her on the first date to a steakhouse called Abe and Louie's. There's actually one in Boca Raton, but the original one's in Boston. And that steakhouse, I had no business eating at. It's an old steakhouse in downtown Boston. It, uh, it's like judges and lawyers and all kinds of people eating there. And then we came in. And I had looked at the menu before I took her out. I think, I, you know, this is old prices back in 2005. But I had... Um, I think I had about $240, somewhere around there, and I added everything up. We get an appetizer, she orders the most expensive appetizer, if she orders the most expensive steak, and I get a normal meal, and then we split a dessert, or we get two desserts, it's gonna cost about 160 some dollars before tax, with sides, and then with, with tip, it'll be about two, you know, 205, 210, whatever, and I have 240, and this is how you think when you're in love. Okay, good, then that leaves me $30, I'm good. And when I was going to do that, my dad said, where are you taking her? And I told him, and he knew where it was, in, in Boston, plus parking and all that. He went, how are you going to pay for that? I was making $300 a week before tax. How are you going to pay for that? I said, oh, I have enough. He said, well, how much are you going to have left over when you're done? I said, about $30. He said, what are you going to do the rest of the month? I said, Jesus said, let tomorrow's worries take care of itself. For the trouble today is, is enough there. Don't care. When I got her her engagement ring, that was the easiest check I ever wrote in my life. Might as well have been a check for 30 cents. I was holding it, driving down to propose to her, just looking at the, you know, it was the most expensive thing I ever bought. It was worth like three of my cars at the time. I didn't have three cars. I'm saying it was worth triple the price of my car. I'm driving home that thing, and then stupid me, I go down one of those toll things to play the coin. I was this close to dropping the ring in, in, in the coin sling, which would, would have been no big deal. I'd have taken a baseball bat out of the bat and broke that thing open and got it back. I promise you that. Can you say amen? amen? When you love, you give. Christians don't really need taught to give. They need to fall in love like David did with affection for God's kingdom. I can't see Pastor Rodney building that and say, well, I, I wish you all the best. I can't hear about something happening to my friend and not do, at the time, $50,000 is nothing. That doesn't build. Now, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that would have been something. But it's not, it doesn't even, I wouldn't even want to know what the damages are 
on this place from the hurricane. It's a different day. It used to be a big deal. If your ministry ever got a million dollars in the bank, you were set for life. Now it's like nothing. You can't, you can't build a building. I don't know if there's anywhere in America you could build a building for a million dollars, like a church building I'm talking about. Land and building and parking. I don't know if you could do the parking for a million and clear the land and all that. So I was actually kind of embarrassed to get 50000 because I know how much things cost. That's like someone needs a house and you give them $250. It's nice that you did that. That's not going to take care of it. But I wanted to do at least my best at that time to show him that I love him and I love his church and I believe in what he's doing. When you love, you give. And when your giving is motivated by love, you will begin to see a different return on your offerings. Let each man give as he's directed by the Spirit. How does the Spirit work? Faith worketh by love. Faith works by love. When you let God infect you with a love for his kingdom and the advancement of his kingdom, and I'm, I'm not, I hate hearing preachers pat themselves on the back, so I'll do it. I'm just telling you this. If you ask my wife, I have a tireless affection for the advancement of God's kingdom. I make myself follow Twitter accounts where I read about like a girl getting beaten to death in northern Nigeria that was a Christian student in a Muslim region and she posted something about Jesus and the boys attacked her and beat her to death. I, I make myself watch it to know what's going on around the world, to not turn into a little Starbucks drinking, spineless American Christian. I want to know what my brothers in Pakistan are going through. I want to know what my brothers are going through in northern Kenya on the Somalia border when the Al-Shabib Muslims come on the, the bus and force everybody off and make them recite the, the Islamic creed and if they don't, kill them. I watched the interview of the wife and her three kids talking about her husband that was killed that day. You'd have thought he won the World Series MVP. She wasn't crying. She was smiling. They told him to pray the prayer because a lot of Christians just said the thing. Now they know, yes, they said it. We don't really mean it. He refused to say it and then quoted John 3, 16. And they shot him dead. And the wife, when they were interviewing her, were no crying. The kids are all smiling. We heard, we heard that he refused to say it and quoted John 3, 16. He's in heaven wearing an overcomer's crown. We're so proud of him. I make myself listen to that. So I live in America, but I'm not going to become an American Christian. I'm a book of Acts Christian. A, a raw, and I'm in a room full tonight of raw first century book of Acts Christians, the real deal. Amen. Lift your right hand to the Lord and close both eyes. Say, Father, I love you. I love your kingdom. I love what you love. Souls, churches. Now say this, fill me with an even greater love for your kingdom, for your souls, and for the church. In Jesus' name. Put your hand down and look up at me. If you'll let God keep that fire lit, if, that, if you'll allow it where that fire never goes out, you just stay in love with God. I love you. I love your church. I'm not letting my friends in India lose their church. It has nothing to do with me. won't affect me one bit if they lose their church in the natural. I'm not related to them. doesn't matter. But I can't. I'm not doing it. 
I'm, I'm going to do, I'm not, I'm going to do what I can like David. Okay, you won't let me build the temple? Then I'm going to get all the money and all the materials to make sure it can be built. And I'm going to get it done. And when you start giving out of that heart, and then you give it somewhere where there's soil for financial increase. I hear Jesse Duplantis say it all the time. The anointing for increase is on me. And it is. I sent him a check for $65,000. We had another guy send $220,000 in that never had given before. And another church give $55,000 that's never had me preach. You know they don't like your preaching when they're paying you to not come. Two twenty plus fifty five is two seventy five. When you give sixty five plus two seventy five, he called me after I sent that seat and he said, "I got a check from you today. I just wanted to say thank you." I said, "You don't have to thank me." I said, "Within forty eight hours of sending it to you, we had just we had over a quarter million dollars come in from people that have never given to the ministry before. No newsletter, no nothing." And I said, "So actually, I'm getting my tithe ready for when you come to sow again. I'm not doing it to help you. You probably burned more jet fuel on the phone call." than what I gave him. He doesn't need my money. Jesse Duplantis was doing just fine before I ever came into his life. But when you recognize soil to sow into that produces a different return, I'm not saying I'm the only one, but I am one. If you connect your finances to this ministry, you will notice it go up. We have testimonies come in all the time. We had a testimony in Canada, a guy from Western Canada, young guy, raised his hand and said, can I testify? Normally, I just felt to. You know, you're taking your life in your hands, turning the mic over to random people. He said, I just want to say, my wife and I, during the COVID lockdowns in Canada, we're down to our last $40. You have that? Ben, my man. <laughs> this is powerful because it's genuine. Go ahead. Then next time, instead of going this, do this. No, you're doing great. I'm messing around. But you'll hear his testimony. I'll tell you one while they're queuing it up. Different soil matters. Think of this. God didn't just tell Abraham what to give. He told him where to give it. If he had taken Isaac on any other mountain, he'd have killed his son for free. So when you give to a ministry... And I'm not putting myself above other people, but we haven't been locked down for two years and I haven't had a mask strapped to my face for the last 24 months. And now that everything's clear, act like nothing happened. I notice a difference when we give to Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. There's another ministry that I don't even really care for that much, but I've noticed a major return anytime we give to their ministry. I'll tell you the first time it happened. I was driving during prayer and fasting to start the year. I was 37 years old. I'm on my way to my own prayer and fasting service in January, and I figure I'm gonna, I'll flip this guy on, on his periscope back then, because I want to get something that stirs my spirit up, and the subject he was teaching on interested me. So I thought I'll at least get, get my mind focused on the Bible. I was going to do a morning service. I flip it on on 28 minutes, 30 seconds. The, the program's over, so it's not like he saw my name pop on, and he didn't know me anyway. I put it on, I kid you not, I put it on 28 minutes, 30 seconds, because I figured by that time he's done greeting everybody at the beginning. Hello, John. Hello, Mike. Hello, nice to have you watching. Let's get, let's get into it. So I want to hear the word part. I, so I'll do 28:30. Put it on. First words out of his mouth. He's in his 70s. There's a young evangelist that's watching me right now. I'm listening. <laughs> 
You're believing for explosive financial increase in your ministry this year. That's what I was believing for. We were raising money going more television affiliates. If you'll send in a $1,000 seed to help this old preacher go around the country one last time, God will give you a hundredfold back, 100 times back before the end of the month. Well, you're giving me 100, even taking the Bible out of it, you're giving me 100 to 1 odds. I thought, and I actually thought, I thought, this is insane. He didn't say, he didn't say preacher. He didn't say young preacher. He said young evangelist. That's me. And you're believing right now for explosive increase in your ministry. That's what I was fasting for. I couldn't do what God was calling me to do on what I had right now. And I needed that thousand. If you'll give that thousand, God will give you a hundred times back by the end of the year or end of the month. We're in the middle of January. I, t I called Patrick, told him the exact story. I told you, I said, so listen, I know, I know about this ministry. I know negative things about him, but I can't ignore this. So let's do it. See what happens. I said, send a thousand right now. We come to the end of the month. No hundred thousand has come in. Nothing close. I have a packed meeting on January uh, 29th or 30th, the last Friday night of the month. And it's like this. I thought, ah, this is going to be the night. And the offering wasn't anywhere near 100,000. It's like 20,000, which is great. And uh, whatever. Ja January 31st, we get a check in the mail from an anonymous clearinghouse because rich people find ways to give where you don't know it's them. That way they don't have to get invited to a golf tournament every year or whatever. <laughs> so it says anonymous. And it was a check, the first $100,000 check we ever received. So when that happened... When that happened, I thought, well, if I got 100,000, see, this is the thing that helps you with increase. It was a big deal to give 1,000, but now, what's my tithe on 100,000? How much? So now, what was difficult to give, now just the tithe starts putting me in a different stratosphere. Where am I going to send that tithe? I thought, well, this is different. I've never had this happen before. So I told Patrick, I said, listen, this guy's not even in my top 25 favorite ministers. But he does believe in prosperity, and he does, he says, well, anything that's sent into this ministry, we pray over the seed and believe for a harvest. So we sent the 10 there. All kinds came back. That's when we started to explode financially, and I realized, I talked to my dad about this. Because my dad was saying, he doesn't even give altar calls for people to get saved. I said, Dad, did you ever think that maybe God puts, because I felt the same way. But I said, did you ever think that maybe God put certain people in the body of Christ just so you would have seed to sow to get your harvest? Then I can go win the souls. Can you say amen? amen. Everybody say different soil. How long is that testimony? Play it. This is powerful. Then we'll receive the offering. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. My name's John. Uh, we're from Calgary, Alberta. Um, my wife, Hope, is the one that came across Jonathan. And... Uh, We've been following um, the, the Copelands for many years, ever since I was a child. Turn it so up a little. Flashpoint, she was watching during the November elections, because um, as he stated, Canadians were very into American politics. And um, Jonathan came on as a, as a guest, and she told me after I'd finished my work day and I came home, she said, there was this guy that came on, and he was slick. He was, he was like Pause smart. He spoke well. He, he... His wife was obviously drunk. Uh, that's my sister in the blonde hair. Her and her 
terrible person. But her and my brother-in-law, <laughs> pastoring up in Montreal, were under lockdown for over two years with the police coming. They were the only church that stayed open in that entire province, and they grew from 300 to 700. Amen? Go ahead, play the rest. Um, was well-dressed, and the first thing he did was uh, give honor to Kenneth um, for paving the way in the prosperity gospel and having a jet and all that kind of stuff. And so we immediately uh, downloaded his app, Revival Today app, highly recommend, especially if you're watching online, best way to tune in. It's like Netflix of all his teaching, just available there. And I put on his, uh, his ministry. The first one I looked for was, um, I guess you're teaching at RBI to the students. And I watched that whole week and learned more in that week than I had from anybody else in a long time. And it touched me and, um, this ministry has changed our life. And uh, this time last November, we were like borderline homeless. Um, we had difficulties with uh, COVID, job situations, finances. We, um, we rented out a uh, lady's basement because we wanted to fund a business for ourselves. And so we wanted to lower costs and very sweet lady, but she had cancer and uh, she passed away um, in the house. Um, and um, it was that fervent prayer of the Lord where we had favor to find a new place, but in order to pay for the new place and the damage deposit and the messiness that went on, we had to pretty much sell all our belongings. We had nothing. So we moved into this townhouse, favor of God from this um, Roman Catholic family that chose us over the other applicants that had a greater income and uh, with baby on away within, within one month of that time. But we had these Costco fold-up chairs, four of those, a fold-up table, our bed, a crib I refurbished and a dresser and that was it. And so my wife, nine months pregnant, all she had was one of these chairs to sit on and, and her bed. And so at that time we, we, we were starting to go to a church because churches started opening up in Calgary and we said, you know, we gotta get involved, we gotta get plugged in, we gotta help out where we can. And um, we had these pastors that were kind of secretly woke, if you will. And even though we are tithing and giving, we've always been avid tithers and, and givers. Our finances just were going down that entire year where we were facing all these uh, struggles. And so Jonathan did a live stream on Instagram. And he said, if you notice things have started going wrong in your life, look at what changed. What ministries are you connected to? Did your church change? Did you stop going to church? And immediately in my spirit, I knew because of things that didn't line up, we have a kindred spirit with this ministry. And so he had that stream on and I felt it in my spirit and all, all we had left in our account was like $40 till the next time we got paid, you know, constantly in our overdraft, not sure how we're gonna pay rent and the other items that come up. And with the baby at this point, being that it was November and uh, she left to go run an errand and after that live, I shut it down and it, I sewed that 40 seat and $40 seed, I mean, all, all we had, right? Which is why he speaks about where, where your level is at. And that fervent prayer and that fervent faith came over, which we know according to the word availeth much. And I just said, Lord, I need you to turn this entire situation around. And he did, hallelujah. Things began to change immediately. We started participating in RTC online. All of our giving and our tithe goes to this ministry. And the first thing that happened a couple of weeks later, my work, which I had maybe started three, four months before, 
said, you know what? We're gonna change your salary and I work commission. So, you know, there's extra opportunities to earn there. But my salary was 50,000. They said, you know what? We're gonna up that to 80,000 starting in the new year. And we're gonna back pay you from since you started. Never done in the history of that company. Because Never done God in the history of the company. He's alive. He's an amazing father. And he always takes care of his children. Then that business we started began to double and actually began to out earn what I earn as a living from a nine to five. And God has continued to increase us. I tell you the same time because who you're partnered with impacts your daily life, right? When Peter went out to get the fish, what happened? His partners came and their boats overfilled as well. So for us, when they ran out of room in their church, we ran out of room in our house with furniture, with clothing, with toys. We've lacked nothing. And I'll be honest with you, money has been like air. The Lord told me if you never comment on the gas prices, you never comment on food. You just get what you want because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not lack. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. For whatever reason, I. I love that testimony. Somebody say precious seed produces precious harvest. You give your last 40 bucks away with a nine-month pregnant wife, you got four folding chairs, a fold-out table, and a bed, and say, Lord, I need you to turn this around. I'm not telling you to give all your money. I'm telling you, when we receive the offering, do what the Spirit tells you. I'm just telling you. That guy's not lying. And it touched me because I met him after all that happened where he's making a ton of money. I thought he was like well-to-do his whole life. I didn't know when he started listening to me, he was in a two-room apartment. Now he's on fire. You know, then people say, well, these people talk about money, but then the money will take the place of God in your heart. Okay, then why did he fly from Calgary, Alberta to Montreal to be in meetings all week? Never missed a meeting. When the Lord begins to bless you, yeah, you can allow the blessing to take the place of God. But you can also do like your father Abraham did and say, Father, the more you bless me, the more my heart is going to be turned to you in Jesus' name. You know, when he said that at the beginning of COVID, April 2020, Adala said, we need new furniture in this house. I said, Mr. Faith over here, do you really think this is the best time at the beginning of the apocalypse? to get a new dining room set. I'm still half wondering if I'm gonna have to shoot my way out of the neighborhood and forage for food. You know, maybe can we hold off on that? She goes, no, I, I feel to get it now. We, I want new furniture, we need new, and I saved up enough to get some. So she drives. Why did you pick that furniture place? You felt to or just what? So yeah, there, there were people that gave to the ministry years before so she, to support their business. She didn't tell them they were coming. In fact, she made a point not to tell them she was coming. So it was like, hey, we're coming. Um, just come in, get the furniture, come out. Because she was actually going to bless them since they had been a blessing to us back when we did that West Virginia meeting. But they saw her on the security camera. So she gets a bedroom set, a living room set, and a dining room set. And when they said, is that everything? And she says, yes. And they go, it, that's a gift from our business to you. How, how many thousands of dollars worth of furniture? 22,000. 22, and then, so she goes, okay, well, if you're going to do that, I came down to support you. So now I'm going to get, we need office furniture too. So I'll, I'll buy that instead for our ministry office. 
And then he said, no, that's donated too. And then Adalas got mad. Because no, yes. yeah, he said, yeah, he'll let her pay, but then he didn't let her pay. Well, she flips out. Hoop earrings going everywhere. <laughs> Puerto Rican flag, uh, rearview mirror, dangling. Because she wanted to pay. So she said, now it looks, you know, now it looks like you're like taking advantage of the guy. Oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. No, you have to let me pay or I would have never picked out the second. And you know what he said? He said, when you came and did that crusade and we gave $10,000 to pay for it, the, the West Virginia one with my uncle, he said, God blessed us so much we had to open up two more locations. I was actually looking forward to seeing you again so we could sow something else because I'm believing God to increase our business even more. And that hit the end. All right. Go ahead and pass out the envelopes. Everybody that's watching online, you can go to revivaltoday.com and click give now. If you're here, you can also go to revivaltoday.com. By the way, that meeting there, that was last week. They were supposed to send the offering on Tuesday. I got a call this morning. They haven't sent it yet because they're still counting. A week later. I won't even say how, how much is coming. It's, it's miraculous. In Canada. In Canada, where the, the Canadian pastors will tell you everybody's taxed 40%, so they don't really give that much. I'm telling you, we're coming into a supernatural time in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask the Lord, and he probably already told most of you when I was teaching, what is your seed that's going to produce a turnaround at your level? We're getting ready to do a massive land purchase that I'll announce when I can announce it, when the paper and ink are finished. And so if the Lord speaks to you, do something big in the seven-figure realm, six-figure realm, I promise you we've got a place for it. We're not going to sit around wondering how we can spend it. Revivaltoday.com, click Give Now. Then there's all those other ways to, to give. We'll be phasing out PayPal as soon as possible. If you're watching and you want to mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. We're not based in Prosperity, Pennsylvania, but I got a post office box there. That way when people write me and say, I don't believe in prosperity, I say, well, where do you think you mailed your hate letter to? <laughs> P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. If you would like to give what's left of your cryptocurrency account, <laughs> the final 4%, <laughs> there's how you can do it. I'll give you about one minute to fill that out before it's collected. Got, uh, ben, cue up the Camden video. I'm going to play that while they're collecting the offering, and then I'm going to talk a little, and then we're going to pray. How many have been blessed already tonight? How many expecting God to crown this year with his goodness? That you're going to see God do great things even before this year's out. I pray the greatest businesses in Florida are raised up out of this meeting. I pray regional powers in the financial world come out of this meeting. I pray there be supernatural financial turnaround in every life in Jesus' name. We're careful, Lord, to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Thank you for a 100-fold return in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Ten more seconds. 
as they're going to receive the offering in a couple of seconds, I'm going to play a video from a crusade we did in Camden, New Jersey, that's going to show you the idea I'm trying to get over for the theme for 2023. I'm not going to release everything. I do that on New Year's Eve. But God, do you remember in Dallas, I told you when we were dating that every year around Thanksgiving, the Lord would drop something in my spirit about the upcoming year. And I'm telling you, it's with, I'm not trying. I was sitting at, this happened this, last week and then into this week, and I was on the phone with a few preachers running by them what the Lord's put in my heart. And I'm going to share a little of it tonight. I'm going to leave time so we can pray. But uh, God really put something different, enough that I had to study it out and talk to people to make sure I wasn't, I wanted to just stay in the rails of, of God's word because it's total, it's new to me, but it's not new. And I'm going to let you know what God has in store for these next 12 months. Stand on your feet, everybody. Lift your seat up to the Lord. If you gave by phone, you can lift your phone up to the Lord. If you're watching at home, lift your entire desktop computer over your head. <laughs> Might want to put on a hernia belt first. Say this out loud. Father, tonight I sow this seed from my heart with love for your kingdom. I thank you. I'll never be broke another day in my life. I receive the hundredfold return. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Ushers, go ahead and receive the offering. Watch this video as you give. Every single festival is different than the next, and volunteers and staff members usually remember them for one thing or another. Here in Campton, we all agree that the spiritual opposition and victory were the greatest. One week before Festival of Life began, a Camden woman spread Facebook rumors that Festival of Life flyers were the work of human traffickers. Her post picked up traction. You we all know that ain't nothing free because if that's the case, all of us working single mommies will be having our bills and stuff paid. So when y'all see stuff like this, please take it down. Festival of Life quickly got in front of the lie with truth trafficking. Our post was viewed 110,000 times and shared over 1,800 times. As a result, the festival received the endorsement of Camden City Council. Opening night, over 3,100 people flooded Vanita Park. 591 received Jesus. I've never seen the Lord touch people like this on opening Don't. night. I want to find God. I want to know Him more, and I want to be with Him. I want Him to be the person that I run to when I cry because it seems like I can't find it in nobody else. Every unclean thing in your blood, I tell you, you're not going to die, you're going to live. I have a blood disorder, yes. Every unclean thing in your blood's already gone. I believe it. I believe him. I believe him. When God touches you, it's only the beginning. It always gets better. My grandfather was a minister. I came from a background, but I took my Shahada to be Muslim like a, a year and a half ago, but I think I'm changing back over. Monday night at Festival of Life Camden was called Monday Miracle Night, and it lived up to its name. Jesus loves you. Jesus te ama. No matter 
In the midst of a powerful sermon, the generator died, the lights went out, but the power turned on. Not a single person left, and peace flooded the fields. With no microphone and standing in the dark, evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth led 717 people to the light. You guys are the best. This the much energy at 932. That's when Miracle Monday began to manifest. She has beat me, told me horrible things. Like, it wasn't even a mother-daughter relationship. It was Cops had to get involved, diapers had to get involved. Like I said, she's been hospitalized multiple times. We're known at Kennedy Crisis. Katana is 13 years old and has been tormented by voices since she was five. They would haunt me like nightmares. I would see the most hideous things. You don't understand how it's the first time that her face lit up and she's looking at him preach and her face is lit up. And she's so happy. She's like, Mommy, I see her worshiping. That one moment was a, it was a miracle. I felt it very proud of me. It was like I was entirely new. For the first time in 13 years, like almost 13 years, she tells me, Mommy, I don't hear the voices anymore. That's a miracle. We don't need more dead religion. No necesitamos más religión muerta. We need a new generation of Dominicans. Necesitamos una generación nueva de dominicanos. Mexicans. Mexicanos. Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricans. Black people. Morenos. White people. Blancos. That are filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. I can't explain it. I really can't explain it. I was, he just came to me, the pastor came to me, and he was just like, you're not going to have any more seizures. Destiny had seizures, metal screws in her back and neck, and constant depression. She even used a walker to get around. She returned to the festival the next day, walking freely, for the first time in years, pain-free. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. You ain't gonna die. You're gonna live. God's gonna use you. You're gonna preach the gospel. In Jesus' name. For some, healing comes in the laying on of hands. Others have faith so strong and simple that they are healed just by hearing the word. On Monday, he came, he was here, and when he was here and the evangelist preached that to um, receive, put your, uh, lay your hands over the affected part, and because he was hearing the testimonies, and he said, hey, if those things happen um, to, to those people, why can't they happen to me? Monday in the morning, when he woke up and he didn't feel the pain, he just began to start moving it, started doing everything that he couldn't do before, so that... Oh, yeah, I called my daughter, my son, I called all my family. Wow. I said, wow, God is good. Alyssa Lennox was healed from cancer after praying with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth during a Facebook Live broadcast at Festival of Life in Allentown earlier in 2017. It's amazing that not being here in person but watching him live, I was able to get that miracle. Doctors had Alyssa retested three times and couldn't find a single cancer cell. Usually when you have that bad result the first time, you're used to seeing cancer cells and they found 
nothing. But they said, you know, just to be sure, we'll do another. You know, in my head, I'm like, you know, makes sense. I know why. Jesus Christ is still the great healer. Jesucristo sigue siendo el buen sanador. Jesus Christ is still the great physician. Jesucristo sigue siendo el mejor médico. When you call on him tonight, cuando tú clamas él esta noche, he will answer you. Él te responderá. He will deliver you. Él te va a libertar. Out of all your trouble. Many of the people seem to have a similar trouble depression, and a spirit of suicide. I actually wrote you I was going to commit suicide. And when I came here Sunday, it stopped. You know, I used to be a cutter before. I used to actually cut myself. But just like Jesus said, he delivered them from all their trouble. About me coming here and hearing the word from Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, he saved my life. I sleep through the night without screaming, crying. This week I've slept all through the night. Because it only takes one person in a family. Porque solamente toma una persona en la familia. To say enough is enough. Para que digan ya es suficiente. I'm gonna live my life for God. Voy a vivir mi vida para Dios. I'm not gonna sell out to the world. I prophesy tonight in the name of Jesus. Not only are you going to be saved, God's going to save your family. Each of the testimonies represent a family that no longer has to deal with the emotional, financial, physical, and spiritual struggle of their former burden. Camden families were changed, and it all started with meeting their physical needs. Festival of Life gave away a thousand grocery boxes, twenty thousand dollars in bill pays and prizes, and five hundred book bags for the kids to take back to school. It was so fun getting the backpack. I got supplies. Um, I have a book bag and it's like a tealish green and a pink zipper. It's more than a backpack. It's more than that. It's love. It's support. Is you feel the vibe here? Festival of Life came to Camden to save souls and the love of God was so strong that it was a healing bomb. It was just beautiful to me to see everybody interacting under one God, no matter who, you know, what colors of his skin it was. All those differences were put to the side to come and worship God together. And my faith was restored. Total attendance for the week was 13,440 people. Twice they received personal prayer 2,800 people gave their life to Jesus. That's it for Festival of Life here in Camden. We are now packing up and heading to West Virginia for Festival of Life. I'm Stephanie Esposito. You know, Dallas, that's crazy how many crusades we did that year with our income. That would be a lot now, financially. And we were making much less. No wonder Patrick was nervous. You know, when your accountant's twitching, it's not good. He told me that year, that was the year Hillary Clinton was supposed to win the election, and I had a feeling, I thought she was going to win, and I thought this would be our last year to, you know, they're going to, the Supreme Court will change, federal judges will change. I'm already getting, having to fight and get lawyers to get a permit to use a town park to preach now. You're not allowed to use this park to preach. I said, you have gay pride here? Yeah, okay, then you have to sell it to me or I'm gonna sue you until you rename the park after me. <laughs> if you rent it to anybody, you have to rent it to everybody. We'd have, but we'd still have to get lawyers and state. So I thought, if Hillary gets in, this is it. So I'm gonna treat this year like it's my last year to preach in America. And I'm gonna do six, what do we do, six or seven crusades? That year? Six. Six. 
They're about 180,000 apiece, and our income the year before was two million. And that's just the crusade cost, not counting. <laughs> so Patrick told me at the beginning of the year, not, at, not out of unbelief. Just so you know, we'll be out of money by June. So what? If it's going to be illegal to preach next year and we go to jail, might as well burn through it. <laughs> Let it rip. Still waiting to run out of money. Can't do it. I've been trying to hit bottom. I've been trying hard to hit bottom for seven years. I'm going to make an announcement soon that I make a serious move. I've been trying, it just keeps coming. Because God is the head of this enterprise. Amen. Where's Brown? Paging Brown. That's you. Let me have you give your testimony from there. Why am I glad you're a white guy? Because if I called you Brown... I would just look like the biggest racist in the whole place. <laughs> Tell everybody your name and where you're from, because this will help people. Your face this way. And uh, what was wrong and what the Lord did for you last night. I just got word of it, so I'm interested to hear what you say. Well, my name is John Patty, and I go by Brown. It's my nickname I've had since I was five. Because I have olive skin and I tan real easy. <laughs> if you can't tell. Being kissed by the sun. <laughs> but um, he didn't, I've never talked to this gentleman before, and he walked up and knew that there was something wrong with my heart. And he, I've had four heart attacks, nine stents, two open heart surgeries. I've died twice, and they brought me back to life. Good Lord said my condo wasn't ready. <laughs> so I have to stay. But I got to tell you that this is the second miracle being in this church. Him giving me, Jonathan, giving me a new heart. And, well, you work very well through him. You work very well through him. And there, when I, it was the beginning of this year, my wife started going to the women's ministry or the Bible study. All the women there were praying for me because I had a blockage. They wanted to do an operation because I had 90% block, or 80% blockage in my heart. And I didn't want them to do it because they tried killing me the first time they tried doing that, putting in a stent. And so the girls all prayed for me. And then one of them had their son pray for me out in front of the church one night. And this little boy, I don't know his name, Wyatt, came up to me and punched me in my chest and told the devil to get out of that blockage. And I never had that operation. Never had to have the operation. It was all clear. It's gone. And when I got through last night, when you touched me, it felt like when they gave me the injection with the stuff to go through to see what the arteries were blocked. It just all ran through, just hot as it could be. 
saying it was all clear, the heart was fixed. You can tell the difference today. I can tell the difference. I know, I know you said you felt the burning, but what difference can you tell today? That I don't have any more cramping in my back where I used to have my heart attacks and stuff. And the lower part of my heart was like a callus and it's beating fine. My wife took my blood pressure today. She's a nurse and she kept taking care of me. But uh, no, we've been checking it and stuff and it runs a lot better today. Thank you. Thank you. Two times is a lot of times to die. That makes me so happy. Boy, this, this week of meetings has been loaded with testimonies. I've never had it. I've never had it. I'm very sorry to say, I'm sure many people have had better nights than I've had in a week, but this is new ground for me. That's a lot of miracles. All right. Time to ramp up the week. Acts 19. This is what God's put on my heart. Acts 19.1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Turning the page. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in Jesus, the one who would come later. Uh, John told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months. Now pay attention to the timeline here. Because if you're not careful, you just breeze through the book of Acts and it sounds like Paul's just going to the city, blow up, go to the next one, blow up. Three months preaching persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So back then they'd publicly speak, now they'd post Facebook. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next how long? Two years. Two years in one spot. Every day, the Amplified Bible says from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. Every day. Now, I was trying to read all through this without stopping. Somebody sent me the best, according to T.L. Osborne, the best meeting he ever had in America, in his opinion, and it is his ministry. The best meeting he ever had was in the 1950s in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He rented the Farm Show Arena, and I told this story in Harrisburg, and an old-timer gave me the newspaper ad for the meeting. Do you know what the advertised time for the meeting was? So, T.L. Osborne coming to the Farm Show Arena in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, September 27th to October 21st. Services every day, 10 a.m., 2, 2 p.m., and 7.30 p.m. nightly. Three a day. Pastor Rodney used to do three a day until the staff started just passing away. 
Then he cut it back to two. That's, that's, by the way, they weren't dying, but they were getting, they're getting close. So for their sake, he cut it back. But this was common in Pentecost. They would teach. That's how Brother Shambach got to start. He would teach faith in the day under the tent, and then Brother Shambach would preach at night. So one month, and then it said except Mondays. Pentecostals used to give one, people to, uh, one day to people to shower and buy groceries. So they would start, people see all those pictures from old-time Pentecost of the tent being packed with 10,000 people, but a lot of times they'd start with 400, 600, and then the meeting grows. That's why, and again, I'm, I should skip a lot of this, but that's why if you're in evangelism, you need to fight that trend to go speak at conferences one night here and one night there. There's nothing wrong with doing that here and there, but when you stay at a place, even Montreal, it looked like it was going to be an okay meeting, and then... It hit a breakthrough point on about, (coughs) sorry, it's not COVID. (coughs) Unfiltered cigarettes. We we all need prayer, you know? So they'd start with a few people and start doing this, and the word of God is incorruptible seed, and it brings increase. It brings increase of people and everything else. So Paul obviously had the confidence in that, that when there was a problem, he just changed venues and kept preaching. Every day for two years, from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. Now, what is it? Well, we're going to get to it. But the word of God's incorruptible seed. The main job of a minister, the sower sows the word. The reason Pastor Tom's ministry is growing is he's one of the few people who opposed COVID, but actually has an actual ministry too. Because a lot of these guys made a name for themselves standing against the government, but now that's over and they don't have anything to say. So they're just still railing. So now Sunday morning's about Nancy Pelosi or the whole sermon. But they don't actually have a word ministry. So the word is the main thing. God elevates his word even above his name. And if you read how high God holds his name, that'll show you how high the word is. And since the word carries that height and its incorruptible seed and the sower sows the word, it's impossible to stand in a place and disseminate the word of God and there not be growth. Yes, there's some people that speak against the way and become stubborn. Happened in Paul's ministry. But you don't focus on who's not getting it. You focus on who's getting it. And I'm glad in this church there's not too many people to focus on who aren't getting it. This is a room full of people tonight that are recipients of the life-changing eternal word of God. Every day from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now watch the progression. You don't see any of that happening, anything happening except preaching. Now this is after two years and three months. Verse 11, then God gave Paul the power to perform unusual or special miracles. Adonis, if you would write that down, because I'm going to incorporate that into the theme for 2023, because that's part of what I feel in my spirit, reading this. A year of unusual and special miracles. Now, it's one thing, all miracles are great. It's one thing to pray for people and them get a miracle, but then it's another thing to read what you're going to start reading here, where the miracles start taking place outside of the service, and there's a pervasiveness of the power of God in the outside area. The Bible says in the last days... The glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. 
There's a pastor that my cousin Teddy, uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., was talking to. He went to Pastor Rodney's meeting in Lakeland in 1993. After the service, he drove to the other end of Lakeland to go to IHOP to get something to eat. You know, I had to go to a 24-hour restaurant. Way on the other side of Lakeland, when he walked in, every waitress was out under the power speaking in tongues with the trays next to him. They weren't in the meeting. They weren't believers. Something was happening where there was an explosion of the power that started to go out into the city. Well, is that a one-time thing in Christian history? No. Charles Finney was holding his meeting. Two guys went to the bar and refused to go and were bad-mouthing it. The guy goes to grab his drink at the bar, and the thing, he can't lift the mug off of the bar. Then, then starts crying and weeping uncontrollably and repenting. Mariah Woodworth Eder, when you read her, there'd be people's backslidden husbands that wouldn't come to the meeting, and then they'd get hit with the, the wife would come home. He's out under the power praying in tongues, got blasted by the power of God in their house. I'll tell you another one. I went to, um, what's it called? Port Elizabeth, South Africa. I drove there, and the pastor, he just went to heaven last year. He was an older guy, good guy. And he goes, uh, you're, who, you're ordained with Brother Rodney? I said, yes. He said, Rodney had some powerful meetings here in the early 80s before he left for America. I said, praise the Lord. And with the nonchalant, disinterested way that I said, praise the Lord, he could tell I didn't know what he was talking about. So he said, hold on a second. And he opened a filing cabinet and dug around and pulled out an old newspaper that the youth group got baptized in the Holy Ghost in the night service, went to, got, had to get carried out of the meeting praying in tongues. And then when their moms made them go to school, they were still drunk in the Holy Ghost praying in tongues. And when they came into the school, all the students around them started to fall out under the power in the schoolyard. And there was a picture, front page of the paper, of all the students out under the power at the public high school praying in other tongues. So... Well, you can't build a doctrine on stories you've heard. And that's what I've been talking to these other preachers about. Is there something in the Bible about hitting a point, a boiling point, where the power of God actually starts to go outside of what's being done? Hmm. Hallelujah. In that church and then starts affecting things in the city. Well, when Sister Tanya came with her husband to tell that story, of her watching on TV and what happened. And then the husband said, while you were telling that story about your uncle, putting his finger in the guy's ears and his ear coming open, he said, I was deaf in my ear, and when you said that, the ear popped open. The Lord, see, it's not just what's happened in these meetings this week. It's that the Lord had already been dealing with me that things in America are going to go to another level in the spirit in this coming year. You know, Oral Roberts, I said it last night and then I heard a preacher say it today. Oral Roberts said, back in the voice of healing days, it was so easy to get people healed, it was almost like healing was in the air. There is something, say it with me, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Now, look at it like this. Let me prove it from the, the negative standpoint. The Bible says, Babylon, uh, I think it's Revelation 18.2, Babylon, home of, home of demons, home of hordes of unclean spirits. That's what the Bible says about that city Babylon. Then you remember when Daniel was there, he was praying for an answer. And when the angel came, he said, Daniel, Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 10, 
from the first day you set yourself to fast and pray. Yeah, let me see Revelation 18 too. I got it right. Babylon has fallen. That great city has fallen. She's become a home for demons, a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, and every foul and dreadful animal. Where is Babylon, that city, uh, and that kingdom? Today it would be modern day Iraq and Iran. How, how pervasive would you say the gospel is in Iraq and Iran? So I don't know that those spirits have ever been dealt with there. Now, I have never gotten into this. The stuff you're going to hear me preaching tonight, I've not only never gotten into, I don't like people that preach this kind of stuff. Because most people use this as an excuse to not have a good meeting somewhere. Well, Philadelphia, there's a real demon principality over that place. Number one, as Paul proved in Acts 19, anywhere the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll be on land that God's given to you. That's why I played that um, Camden video. Because Camden had the highest murder rate per capita in the United States when we went there. And we broke it open. Now, when the power goes out, how many of you saw when the power went out? Right as I'm giving the altar call, Jesus loves you no matter who you are, the color of your skin, and the power goes out. Well, how does the power go out when it's being run by a city generator that we had to pay six New Jersey Union electricians to run? It was gassed up. How does a generator not give power that's gassed up? The electricians couldn't answer. They came to me after, the head of the Union electricians, and said, we're sorry, Reverend, that that happened. We don't know what happened. They said it was fully gassed up. You know, they're, they're certified electricians. He said, and did you notice it was right when you were telling the people to come to God? He went, you'd almost have to think that was the devil. Not even a Christian. You'd almost have to think that was, I mean, even he noticed. Did you notice it was right when you were telling the people to come to the Lord? Then that witch, where'd that witch come from? How did she even know we were going there to preach? We don't advertise on witchesmeat.com. I'm not calling her a witch. She calls herself a witch. But she's a witch, and she's going around tearing down all our flyers and petitioning the city council to yank our permit. Where did she come from? How did she know I was coming there? Daniel, from the first day you began to pray and seek God, I was sent with your answer. But for 21 days, the demon prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked me from coming. But as you continued to fast and pray, Michael the archangel came to assist me, and now I've been sent with your answer. There is a spirit world. There's a reason that for 20 years you could tell your family you were going to the bar, and they just said, well, see you when you get back. Then you started telling them you're going to church. I have to go to that church. I don't like how they fall down there. Oh, you don't have a problem with me drinking myself blackout drunk? But you got a problem with me getting the Holy Ghost and falling over. That's the devil. There's no resistance to going to the bar because the devil's cool with it. But as soon as you start going in the other way, you find out there's a devil. As soon as Paul starts having some progress in Ephesus, some people come and stir up division. But Paul knew what to do. You never let the devil. What did I do when, when the power went out? Oh, sorry, we're going to have to wait till the power comes back on. Then lose the crowd? No, I just started preaching. And then illegally, a New Jersey police, a Camden police officer ran to his police car, grabbed the riot control bullhorn, ran up on stage and handed it to me. Not allowed to do that. And I turned that thing on and preached. And the crowd saw. The crowd knew. I saw them. Instead of scattering, they thought, oh my goodness, this is real. As he's telling me to get saved. 
the power goes out. And instead, like you saw, we had 100% response. I saw their eyes get big. I saw one guy go, oh, shoot. Like, this is real. Everybody say, this is real. When Satan was cast out of heaven, the Bible says he took a third of the innumerable with him. Those are demon spirits. Paul said, I have a wide open door of opportunity, but there are many adversaries. Now, when you, now Paul goes, nobody ever cleared Ephesus out. He's the first one to take the gospel there. So it doesn't matter. I'm not saying this as an excuse, but there is a work that has to be done to you know, and you hear people, I, I pastor in California, it's rougher over there. Then do something about it. Don't complain about it. If God sent you there, he didn't send you there to say how hard it is. He sent you there to drive the devil out and take the ground for God. Now, for 21 days, the, the, the demon principality kept me from coming. Babylon, home of demons, hordes of demons. Now, if a place can be a full of demons, then when you clear those demons out by the preaching, not doing weird stuff, there's actually lines of authority that God's given you to deal with the devil. Some of you are old enough to remember back when people were chartering big planes to fly over the city so they could be higher. People actually started to preach that you had to be higher than the principality to cast it down. And that until you went to a higher place than him to destroy him, you couldn't do anything. Well, if that's true, it's amazing how many miracles Jesus had at sea level. That's, that's called goofy. My grandfather called those Christians granola Christians. Fruits, flakes, and nuts. That's why I've been on the phone with three preachers I respect, running this stuff by him and thinking through the scriptures with him. They said, oh, no, that's, that's true. They're definitely, I've been talking with guys. There is a difference when you go to preach in Dallas as opposed to Toronto, Canada. There's a difference when you go to preach in Tampa, Florida, than there is in Karachi. You don't feel, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not like overly sensitive anyways, even in my spirit. I just go, if the Lord calls me there, I'm going to go get it done. But let me tell you, there's some places you go where you realize the Lord has me in a protective bubble, and if that thing lifted, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You can feel your spidey senses are up. And actually, when we did that meeting in Nicetown in Philadelphia that was one of the 10 most violent, 10 poorest areas in America, by the time we would finish by the second night, that feeling of having your... Like, I mean, for, forget preaching. If you go to take your kid, like I got Camila with me at night, if I'm taking her for a walk in, in Siesta Key, you can, you, now you, you never should fully relax, but you can pretty much relax. If you go to Naples, Florida, and go for a walk down the sidewalk, it is different than going for a walk down the sidewalk in South Philadelphia. South Philadelphia, I'm assuming the worst that... You can feel it. You can feel that there's a spirit of wickedness there where you have your guard up. Say, Camila, stand on this side of me. You can feel it. There's a difference. And there's other places where you go. I've actually had a hard time going on vacation anywhere 
because my spirit can't relax. I can't go on vacation in, in, in I'm not going to start turning whole cities against me. But there's a lot of places I, I can't, my spirit, I, okay, I can't go on vacation in New York City. I can't take her to go see the Lion King and go stay in New York. My spirit will never rest the whole time I'm there. I'm going to hold my daughter's hand, stay on this side of me. Got people coming up to me, you know. I just did that in downtown Tampa in Ybor City. We had somebody with me, and their young kid was with a guy. Hey, hey, bro. I said, there's kids here. Let's back up so we can all go home tonight. I'll knock you out with an anointing. Don't come near me. Can you say amen? You're not going to harm people that are with me. But then there's other, you don't, have, you don't have dealings like that and see it. So what is it? That's what I started talking to these guys about. What is it that some places, now if a place can be a home of demons, then when you have a revival someplace, obviously something happened here where when Paul preached and did those works, after two, that's why you got to not, how long have you been in Fort Myers? That's why you don't, I mean, you're just a few months ahead of Paul. That's why you don't give up. Keep pressing. Because if you don't give up, the devil will. The devil is a committed quitter perseverance is not a fruit of hell. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The devil actually doesn't know what to do with someone who, having done all to stand, stands there for. And I'm telling you, there's a perseverance coming into your spirit tonight that you will not quit until you have the victory. If you receive that, take 30 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. Hallelujah. I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say, don't give up. Don't quit. Say, I shall not be defeated. I will not give up and quit. I don't like hearing ministers tell me why it's hard where they're at. Well, I'm in this certain country. Did God call you there? Then quit whining. Take it over. Don't get around a bunch of other missionaries to tell you why you can't have revival. We really can't have church meetings here because the government doesn't allow it. They didn't allow it. You, you can't create your own Christianity that fits what country you're in. There has to be, well, we do home groups. They'll shut the home group down. If you run, you'll be running your whole life. And if you stand, you'll be conquering your whole life because there's no devil that's ever been created that can have victory over the child of God. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Say it out loud. If I don't quit, the devil will. Then God gave Paul, Acts 19, 11, the power to perform unusual or special miracles. That when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on the sick, they were healed of their diseases, and any evil spirits came out. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, leading priests, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Not good. Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, 
overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. When I was growing up in church, there was this big church planting move in our denomination. So all these churches just started to decide to plant as many churches as possible. You can't do what God doesn't call you to do. Doesn't matter how popular it is or how appealing it looks, you have to do what the Lord called you to do. So they start planting churches everywhere. And they start sending guys, you know, basically any half-decent businessman that was kind of didn't want to work in the secular world anymore and wanted to do something for God, they'd send him out to plant a church. So they announced, we're going to start a church in Philadelphia. This church is on the west side of Pennsylvania. Philadelphia is five and a half hours the other direction. Totally different. We're going we're to start a church in Philadelphia. Well, Philadelphia, R.W. Shambuck said the two most demonized cities he was ever in anywhere in the world was not Port-au-Prince or Hyderabad, India. Chicago and Philadelphia. That's what he said. So if you're going to go to Philadelphia to start a church, it better not be a good idea. Or, a ch- or, or that your denomination did a demographic study and found out that in this area we have the least churches per capita of any place in America, so we should start one there. Everything must be done by divine direction. Then secondly, if you're going to go into the ministry, you better carry power over the devil. So they're, they're have, And this guy's a nice guy, but the devil doesn't care that you're a nice guy. So they're having a Sunday morning service to send this guy off on the platform in a church about this size. My dad never interrupted a service in my life, never gave a message in tongues. He was usually out preaching. If he was home on Sunday, we sat two-thirds of the way in the back. He opened his Bible and took notes, and we left when it was over. He was not looking for the spotlight. And I never saw him do this before or since, but I'll tell you how much it marked me. I was nine, and I remember it clearly. We're going to send out Brother So-and-so to Philadelphia. Let's have the board come up here and gather around him to pray as he plants this church in downtown Philadelphia, my dad stands up and ruins the whole service. My dad has red hair and white skin, and when he gets f- flustered or anything, he turns like burgundy. <laughs> so he did that. He stands up and gives a message in tongues, and it, you could feel, I'm talking about it uh, 33 years later. So I'm telling you, you could, f- I was like, Cobro stone di anama. Then steps out from his seat and starts walking up towards the platform. So, you know, out of politeness, all the board and the senior pastor. Wondering, you know, what's this guy doing? Is the tail end of the service? They got cake on the platform. <laughs> and my dad comes up. Now the guy they're going to send out starts weeping. He's the only one. It's like hitting him. And my dad goes, thus saith the Lord. You are not ready. You are not ready for the task that's at hand. Prepare yourself, says the Lord. Separate yourself with prayer and fasting, for the task ahead of you is too great and you're unprepared. Well, ruined the whole service. So they just did what people were great at doing, pretending like nothing ever happened. Thank you, Brother Tiff. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We receive that, Lord. Have your way, O Lord. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. 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 And then picked, off, picked off, up like nothing happened. Served the cake, sent him to Philadelphia. Two weeks later, this guy is a nice guy, and he w- did well in the business. We're not talking about some idiot. His wife goes into the bathroom. He has the lights off. 
with a boombox plugged in and the bathtub filled, mumbling incoherently to himself, ready to drop the plugged in radio into the bathtub. Yeah. Goes to a mental institution and then is back in Pittsburgh in six weeks. And he the first, guess who the first person he went up to talk to was? Me, Poppy. Brother Tiff, thanks for giving me. I should have listened. I didn't know what I was going to. He said, I started, when I was going there preaching, I started losing my mind. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The Lord actually gave me a, a, a different way of thinking of things because I, I couldn't stand Andrew Cuomo. When he said, any church that doesn't shut down, I'll shut you down permanently, it irritated me. So I prayed him out of office. I said, Father, that guy put his hand against your church, take him out. Well, yeah, you clap. I was happy. Who followed him? Franklin Graham? Who came in next? Worse. So the Lord said, you can keep praying people out of office if you want, but they have an endless su supply. But if they get saved in office and baptized in the Holy Ghost, that is what will mess up the whole plan. So out of selfishness, I now pray for people's salvation. Because I was big on Old Testament. Father, let the ground open up in D.C. and swallow the whole half of the house. In Jesus' name, amen. But, but then they would just replace them with more demonized people. There's an endless pipeline on them. They need to get saved. Can you say amen? Brother Tiff, I wish I'd have listened to you. I had friends that came out of Bible college that the denomination they're in, I won't say the name of the denomination, but it rhymes with assemblies of God. They, they thought, we don't really have any churches or works in downtown Boston. So they went to send these guys that had graduated my Bible college to Boston. They hold their first meeting, get some people saved, and they go there. They were former Teen Challenge graduates, so they're going there to get people delivered from drugs. They're in Whitey Bulger's neighborhood trying to get people delivered off drugs. That cuts into their revenue supply. They had two guys from the Irish Mafia come on the Tuesday after the first Sunday and say, you have till Thursday to be out of here or be out of here by Thursday. <laughs> or you're dead. So what did they do? They left. We had to go. No, because if you have power, Bensonita Hosa in northern Nigeria is preaching a meeting and the head witch doctor comes in and says, you have until Friday to be out of this village. I'm talking a real witch doctor. I'm not talking American ones. I'm not talking somebody that had a $50 gift certificate to Hot Topic and two Harry Potter books. <laughs> so it has a Ouija board and dabbles and some things. I'm talking about people that make people die. Skull, human skull on the staff type of thing. You have till Friday to be out of this village. He's starting a church up there or you're gone. Benson looks at him and says, if you're still alive on Thursday, I'll tear my Bible in half. Sometimes God's early, died Wednesday. And when that guy died, and if you think that's anti-biblical, you need to read Acts chapter 13. In fact, take your Bible and turn to Acts 13. God has great compassion for sinners and no compassion for devils. Acts 13. Verse 6. Afterward, Paul and Barnabas traveled from town to town. Everybody say Paul and Barnabas. Sometimes when I'm flying out for the weekend to go preach, Camila goes, need a Barnabas? <laughs> a 
Sometimes I wonder if that kid's even real. She's like so perfect. Well, I'm just waiting for her to like one day to just like vanish or grow wings and goes like up to heaven. See you in heaven. Great kid you are. I love you. You make me proud. I love you very much. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the sea. I've been watching the Hallmark Channel. I was bleeding into my preaching. You've got to be careful what you look at. Pretty soon I'm going to be wearing a scarf indoors. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos where they met a Jewish sorcerer named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The most wickedness I've ever felt in America, and I don't like to, this one time and I won't do it anymore, is in Washington, D.C. And I'm not saying that, I'm saying, Adonis and I used to drive, live in Virginia Beach. We had to drive by Washington, D.C. all the time to go home. Driving by Langley, I would be like thinking about baseball, and it would snap me out of it. And I'd feel uneasy in my spirit. And look, it's like, oh, Langley. I don't know what they're doing there, but it's not good. So if you're watching from the CIA, you can put me on whatever list you want, but you better repent because I'm on a list called the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't take my condiments out of context. We have a veterans brigade at our church. I love veterans. I love people. But I'm just telling you, then when I was in D.C., it's unclean as can be. You go there on a Friday night, everybody's with a mistress or a male mistress. I, I will tell you this. Spiritually, I would say D.C. Is, feels in my spirit 30 times more wicked than Las Vegas on a Friday night. It's worse. It feels gross. Me no likey. How do you break it? Because this is why I don't talk about this stuff much, because most people I hear talk about that then ju just use it as a, a, a reason to write off D.C. or write off Las Vegas or write off Philadelphia. How do you break it? How did Paul break it? Crack your Bible and let it rip. Acts 13. Saul, how did Paul deal with this guy that's trying to get people trying to get this governor not to, not to hear the word. Saul, known as Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, looked the sorcerer in the eye and said, is this before the resurrection or after the resurrection? Is this before the gospel of grace or during the gospel of grace? Not everybody at once. I mean, no, Jesus isn't mad at anybody anymore. You know, oh, you're not reading the whole thing. Saul, known as Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, looked the sorcerer in the eye and said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you'll be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, Mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and help him. When the governor saw what happened, he said, if this is what Christianity is, I don't want anything to do with it. When the governor saw what happened, he became a believer, 
for he was astonished at the power of the Lord. Say this with me. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If someone aligns themselves too closely with the gates of hell, stopping the advancement of the church, they get the same judgment that comes against the demon powers that are trying to stop the church. That's all through the Bible. Can you say amen? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. That's not for sinners. Paul didn't look a heroin act in the eye and say, you son of the devil. But there's a difference between being a heroin addict and someone that is using their power to stop the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People should be careful what they touch. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? So I'm just showing you that's in the Bible. And great men of God know when that spirit comes to try to stop. Like what should my friend have done in Boston? You have till the end of the week to be done. What are you going to do if, you, if you're called the pastor in Matamoros, Mexico? You're going to get a visit from somebody that tells you you owe a certain amount of money that after you pay it, they're going to up it. Or they may tell you, you have till the end of the week to be out of town or we'll kill you. So what are you going to do? Well, we had to leave. We were starting there. And then they said, they, no, there's no they. If God says you go, anyone that says you can't go, the power of God is committed to your forward advancement. But you have to loose it out of your mouth. Every tongue that rises up against you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you, finish it. Who will condemn? You. Until you do it, God's not committed. It's not every tongue that rises up against you, he will condemn. Every tongue that rises up against you, thou son of the devil, enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting? What you bind on earth, God will back you in heaven. And what you permit on earth, God will back from heaven. What are you permitting? You don't have to put up with the devil's mess one more day. You can say today, enough is enough. Somebody say it, enough is enough. Then God gave Paul the power to do unusual. I'm going to tell you another story along those lines. South Africa. There was a preacher named William Branham who got an invitation to go to South Africa. I talked to the lady. Her name was uh, Nellie Roberts. She's still alive. Her and her husband built the biggest church in South Africa at that time, and they did it by following up on Brother Branham's crusade. Branham comes to an auditorium, starts having... Anybody ever hear of William Branham? When he was in his prime, the FBI came to his meetings because they thought he had a piece of technology they didn't know about. Because he would tell people their names and addresses and what their primes were from. I'm talking, you can look it up on YouTube. Your name is Mary. Your last name is Smith. You live in this city on 616 6th Street. Mary Smith from 616 6th Street. You're going home to be well from the mass that you have in your lung. Be healed. Then the next guy come. Word of knowledge like that. One after another after another. And so he comes to South Africa and starts operating in the gifts of the Spirit like that. And the main thing then was polio. So these kids are getting healed from polio. Nellie Roberts was 80 and was in the meeting. She said one kid had calipers on his legs. You know, they'd help to help the muscle. How many of you remember polio? They'd put the stuff on the legs because your muscles were gone. 
So it would help give you some support, custom fit. A lady brings her, her, her son up, Brother Branham prays, and the kid starts screaming at the top of his lungs to the point that they think he has a demon. But he wasn't screaming for that reason. He said, get him off, get him off. And they quickly ripped the, the, the braces and calipers off. His legs, the polio was not only healed, his legs went to normal size. And were getting held in by the calipers, causing him intense pain. He starts walking. She said, by the end of the week, there was a pile of leg braces on this side and then of canes and wheelchairs on the other side. So, listen up. So they move to the stadium. And as they're at the stadium, those miracles are happening. Well, the same way Satan sent somebody to mess up Paul's meeting, devil sent somebody to mess his meeting up. Guy comes from the local newspaper, back when newspapers were, were a thing and like carried power. So he's going to expose Brother Branham. He puts on big black sunglasses like blind people wear and a white and red cane and stands in line to get healed. And his plan was, after Brother Branham said, the Lord shows me you're blind and God's going to open your eyes. He's going to take his glasses off. He's a famous reporter. And he was going to tell her, no, see, he just picked, you know, obviously he can tell someone has polio or he can tell somebody has. He's just reading whatever's wrong with him. And he's going to disparage the revival. When that guy's three people back in line, Brother Branham stops praying for who he's praying for, points at the man and says, sir, you have come here to mock the Holy Ghost. And now the disease that you've pretended to have will come upon you for the rest of your life. That guy let out a yell and was blind the rest of his life. And just like in Acts 13, when the people saw that, can you cue up my dad preaching in New York? Uh, Brother Ben, Brother Augustine. I just want to show you what this anointing feels like because my dad was preaching in New York in 2020 in the midst of the lockdown, risking finding jail time. I'm just going to show you what I grew up around, like the... the that you, you have to have that or you're going to be in a bathtub mumbling to yourself with, with a plugged-in stereo. You, the devil only respects one language, and that language is power. You think we lay hands on you for fun? Like I didn't give you enough of a service? Start at 7, it's at 1026, I'm going to preach a little more than like, like you got shortchanged? Timothy? Stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Fear is a spirit. It's not an emotion. Sometimes I get afraid. Quit. Don't allow the spirit of fear. I refuse to be afraid. The psalmist said, I will fear no evil. Not Lord, help me not to fear. I refuse. I will not be afraid, for the Lord is with me whithersoever I go. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know you're there with me. Stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. The laying on of hands is a, is a conduit for the impartation of spiritual gifts. And you, can, you, can, you can't give what you don't have, but you can give what you have. And I have, by the grace of God. My hands that were lit, I have a boldness. I've cast out devils. I've stood against them in cities. Camden, Newark, the permit guy in Philadelphia. And I've had to stand against a few this year. 
The quality of your life will largely be determined by the quality of hands that are, have been laid on your head. I went to go see Bishop David Oyedepo in Washington, D.C. He pointed to an usher. Usher came and got me from the back and had me sit up on the platform with him. Then after the same usher got me and my cousin and said, Bishop Oyedepo wants you to come see him up in his room. What an honor. So I went up. He was using the restroom. There was about 45 Nigerian pastors in there and then me and my cousin. And when he came out of the bathroom, he went over and sat down on a couch and he went, ah, bring me the two white angels. Sounds like a prison gang. He's <laughs> talking about me and my cousin. We both went over. I knelt where his right hand was because I've read the Bible. Teddy knelt at his, where his left hand was. I decided to be Jacob. He wanted to be Esau. No, I'm kidding. And he put his hand on, on both of our heads and said, you have done well, but this is just the beginning and you'll do much better. Now take the things that I've taught you this week and get to work. And he said, Father, the good things you've put in my spirit, I loosen to their spirit now. My nephew Jay, on Adonis' side of the family, he wasn't even close to serving the Lord when he was 10. Neither was my nephew Pito when he was 13 or 14. Brother Shambach was preaching in East Providence, Rhode Island. They lived in Boston. And I got them down to the service. Brother Shambach preached at 82 years old for two hours, then laid hands on all 1,100 people. I learned a trick from him. He would pour oil till it saturated like a white towel that you get at a hotel. He had it wrapped around his arm, would saturate it, and then would just keep going like this. And I learned that way you don't have to keep pouring it out. So he learned some tricks. Prayed for all 1,100 people. He laid hands on my nephew. He laid hands on my other nephew. They nodded their heads. So, but the laying on of hands always works. Fast forward however many years later, 10 years later, Jay's the youth pastor. They just cracked 100 students last week at youth group. And then uh, uh, Pito works at the church full-time doing other stuff and helping with other ministries. Who you have lay hands on you matters. Tonight when I lay hands on you, I'm not trying to kill time. I'm not getting paid by the hour, though I preach like I am. When I lay hands on you, anything good God put in this little tank of mine, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you're going to come out of here with a boldness and a fire that the devil will not know what to do with in Jesus' name. Everybody say boldness. Everybody say fire. I'll show you where I got mine from. This is my dad in 2020 in New York. Listen to him. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. But he will keep you safe. Praise God. That is the promise of God. I'm not afraid of anything in this world. I'm certainly not afraid of some damn flu. And I use that word biblically. I am not going to stop the Pause work it. of the Lord for some bacteria or virus. Even if you use it biblically, it's still a curse word. Keep going. I'm not going to be an idiot. I'm going to be courteous. I'm going to do my best to be gracious, but I am not going to stop building the church for some demonic virus or some demonic mandate. I am on a mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Pause it. Pause it. Keep it. Now, basically, during COVID, there were just two kinds of preachers. There were, there were what word can you say without getting a bunch of emails sent to you? 
I'll, I'll say, uh, no, now the audience is giving suggestions that are worse than the thing I was going to say. <laughs> Only in Florida, you had an 80-year-old woman go, ankle grabbers. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Sister Rosa. Thank you. Boy, now I learned a lesson. Don't open the floor in Florida. What's it with you? I'll tell you what to call them. No. We'll go with spineless. Spineless was what I was looking to go for. But you could do that. We're, we're going to be going online for a season because you could, I don't know how to, I wish I knew more words. There's a part of the Holy Ghost that's not comfort. There's a part of the Holy Ghost that's power and boldness. And that's the part they've kept back from the church in the United States. But God's going to drop it in your spirit tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Go ahead, finish it. Is that too honest, Pastor? Jesus said, I'll build my church. That's my mandate. I'm not playing games. Many of you that know my ministry know that nobody's going to stop me. If it means I have to go to prison, I'll go to prison. If it means they put me on a firing squad, I'll be on a firing squad preaching to the last person loading their weapon. I am on a holy mission and holy men don't take orders from unholy men. Fire, boldness, fuego, poder, fuego de Dios, poder de Espíritu Santo, unción de Dios. Receive it. Lift your hands all over this room. Receive it. Say it out loud. I receive it. I receive fire. I receive power. I receive anointing. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Keep me ever fresh. My fire will never go out. Be seated briefly. So I could, I could talk about it, but I wanted to play the video just to show you. You're not taking that guy down. And then it, then it bleeds into other areas. My dad went to his 40-year 
reunion at Bible college, and he said, all my classmates were talking about, they were all retired or retiring. He said, that was the first time I realized I was old. <laughs> he said, and he was telling me, Jonathan, I, don't, I feel like I'm 40. I don't even think about my age. He said, I, I told your mother on the way back, because they, they had a dog named uh, Hunter, and my dad likes fishing in a canoe. He lives up in Maine. Goes out in the middle of nowhere and, and fishes. He, and he takes the dog with him. He said, I've been loading that canoe on top of my SUV by myself. Now, I'm not there. I couldn't help him anyway. My mom doesn't help him. He carries a canoe, loads it up on the thing at 65. You said, he's 65. Looks, looks good. Yeah. You take two 17-year-olds and one's born again and the other's not, you can't tell the difference. Soon you start to be able to tell who's born again and not. Clean living, holy living. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Amen. His word is life. His word is a healing balm. His word is a restore of everything the devil has broken. He said, I, I loaded that canoe with the dog onto my truck and into the water. And he said, when I'm 85, I'll be loading that canoe with whatever dog I have then. See, that's how it it's, 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 it's in everything. The devil's not going to dictate my health. The devil's not going to dictate my family. The devil's not going to dictate my money. The devil is not the author of my destiny. And I want to tell you in Florida on this final night, the devil may have written your past chapters, but he has no permission to write any more chapters. The last chapter of your life is going to be written by you and Jesus, and it's going to be a glorious chapter. I said it's going to be a glorious chapter in Jesus' name. Verse 17, Acts 19, 17. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city. Where did it descend? Say with me, regional impact. It wasn't spread on the city because he had a good sound system. There was no sound system. Now you're going to start to see that the meeting, now that he stood and broke that through, is starting to have an effect outside of the meeting. And I, I, hopefully I'll get better at communicating this as, as the weeks go on, because I've never preached on this. But this is what the Lord spoke to me. Now, if, it's almost like God added something on to the first thing he gave me. How many of you were here when I preached about how Satan tempted Jesus three times, and then the Bible says Satan then had to leave him alone for a season? How many of you remember when I read 2 Chronicles 20, where the Bible says, then the Lord gave them rest round about from all their troubles. And I said, there's a season where the devil has to leave you alone. Now, some places have a strong demonic presence, but I'm telling you, in America, now there's still some regions that have a little work to do, but that spirit in America has been so thoroughly trounced this last year and these last two years that it is my belief that you're going to see the United Nations relocate out of New York to another country. And it's going to be a sign to you that that Antichrist spirit has been destroyed in this country. Yeah. The Bible doesn't say anything about New York City in Revelation. So the, the, the headquarters of that globalist thing is not from our place. Now, secondly, if that's been driven out, and we're coming to a time, and the Lord gave them rest round about. Satan left them alone for a season. Then I believe, just like you felt there was a pervasive darkness 
during 2020, you could feel it. Driving to go do check the news every night, late at night, I'm the only car on the road. It felt weird. It didn't feel weird because I shouldn't even have brought up them, the only car. That's not what made it feel. It felt, I could feel oppression. I could feel it driving around. Something isn't right. The devil's moving in on this place. Now think of this. Some places are habitations of demons like Babylon, but some places, like when Jacob was walking, are habitations of God. Isn't it interesting that even during the riots of May 2020, there was only certain places those demons could go? Basically only the hellhole parts of hellhole cities. Then if they tried to go to a place that had a strong Christian influence, there were just people standing there with AR-15s like this. And it's not the AR-15s, it's that that shows you the devil can't just go do whatever he wants. There's places that have never been broken open. Boy, and then you find out that the leaders of Black Lives Matter aren't concerned about race or anything. They're practicing witches. Shocker. Then you find out the heads of Antifa aren't Presbyterians. They're Satanists. They're a cult-practicing, demonized people. You had pastors go march with them to show solidarity because their discerner's broken. You can't shake hands with Goliath. Either you take his head off or he, cuts, he takes your head off. But the spirit of David's coming upon the church that the Goliaths that nobody's taken down are going to get taken down this year. If the devil thinks he had a bad 2022, he should buckle in for 2023 because 2023 is going to be the greatest year that the church of the United States has ever had in Jesus' mighty name. In G and Canada too. And Canada too. This is the hour of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout, I believe it. All right, sit down. I'll wrap up. So now, now it goes from preaching meetings. So now it's going on outside the meeting. A fear of the Lord came upon the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. There's going to come a time in this country where the NFL will rue the day they made Sunday game day. There will come a day where there will be no churches playing the Super Bowl on Super, Super Bowl Sunday night. None. When revival hits, I was listening to Paul Nietzsche talk. He was saying one of the marks of revival, and he was talking about how different it was in Nigeria before the revival hit and after. He said no one cared about soccer anymore. He, said, he was telling Americans like they didn't know. He said there was a day in Nigeria where if there was a big football match, they would cancel the church service on Sunday. And he said some churches would even bring the television in the church so you could watch the game. Well, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Super Bowl Sunday night, we're just going to have like a time of fellowship and watch the game together. Because people are more in love with that than they are the word. But he said when the revival hit, the soccer teams would actually reschedule big games to make sure they didn't fall on Sunday. Because if they did on Sunday, everybody wasn't. When you start having multiple churches that are 50,000 plus, 90,000 Polynesian, uh, what's David Ibiomi's? 70,000? Right around there? 
and then Bishop Boyd Depot's built in 109. Then you got another building that's 1.87 miles wide by 1.87 miles long because they have 3 million people come to the surface. When they tell you that that largest religious gathering on planet Earth is that Hindu festival or the, or the thing in Mecca, it's not even close. When they do the announcements at that service, they say, since last night's meeting, 27 babies have been born. In the meeting. 15 boys, 12 girls. Let the boys say amen. I'm telling you the truth. I was there. They play it. They play Pastor Adeboye's message when he gives the word from the Lord for the new year. They play it on the Nigerian equivalent of CNN, on the national news network. They play it live because people want to know what the Lord said to him is going to happen in the new year. And that is not going to stay in Nigeria. That's going to hit America. Now, what? don't, don't clap because I'll get done faster if you don't. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city in the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. Paul wasn't having a witchcraft book burning service. People just did it. Like, how many of you were here the night I played my Uncle Ted preach in West Virginia? When he said, I cursed the, the, the taste for nicotine, he cursed it on that one lady. Then everybody in the amphitheater just came down. Broke it. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them in a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Put this up, put it up in the King. Oh, you have it up on. Uh, put Acts 19, 20 in the King James, if you would. So the message about the Lord spread uh, so mightily grew the word of God. Everybody say, it always comes back to the word. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. This book is unconquerable. When you put it in your life and begin to act on it, you become, un you can't run out of money. Unless you can bankrupt God. <laughs> Unless God made some bad investments with Binance. <laughs> FTX. No. Whatever can't stop God. Who wrote this? That's right. The living word. So when it's in you, whatever can't stop God can't stop you. We'll never give you the permit for that park. Want to bet? I'll have what I want. Because the Lord sent me here. You can't stop me. I told the guy in Philadelphia, if you can keep me from getting the permit, I'll accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> Since I found somebody who's more powerful than Jesus. That's a fact. That's why Ben Sinodosa said, if you're still alive on Thursday, I'll tear my Bible in half. If I, if I found somebody that can stop me, from preaching the gospel, then I found, I found somebody who should be worshipped instead of God. Good luck, buddy. Not happening. You're not on your own little mission. You're hooked up with Jesus. That meeting when I went to go see Bishop Oyedepo, this will be the last thing I tell you, then I'll leave you alone for many months. 
okay, I'll stay around. I'll bring a sleeping bag. How many of you are getting something tonight? I said all that to say this. When I went to go see Bishop Oyedepo in Washington, D.C., he was having what he called the North American Pastors Conference. I'm not a pastor. I had no plans of being a pastor. I just wanted to go hear him, and I felt to go. I canceled a meeting so I could get there just to hear him. And then I wondered why I found out about it on such short notice. And he said, I scheduled this meeting on short notice less than 10 days ago because in my time in prayer, the Lord spoke to me in Nigeria, get to America and help build faith in the ministers there for what's coming. For soon, America will be loaded with not mega churches, super mega churches. Put Isaiah 2-2 up, if you would. Since whoever's back there is super quick at it tonight. Isaiah 2-2. In the NLT, if you don't mind. Isaiah 2-2. See, that's what you get when you compliment people. In the last days. What days are we in now? I mean, you know, in the last days, people aren't going to want to hear the gospel and they're that. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. Three. Isaiah 2, 3. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. What's Zion? Hebrews chapter 12 says, You have come to Mount Zion, the church of the firstborn. So in the Old Testament, it's a type of the church. The church will be the most important. What do you think Satan was working so hard for two and a half months to shut the church down for? Let me ask you a question. Why did he work so hard to try to kill all the baby boys in Exodus? Because he knew who was coming. Who? No. Yes. You can always count on Buffalo. Who was going to come in Exodus? Who was about to be born? Moses. He knew a deliverer was coming to break him out of Egypt, so he went to work trying to stomp the thing out and failed. Why did he try to get all the baby boys in Bethlehem killed? Who did he know was coming? A deliverer, not for the Israelites, but for the whole world. And why did he work so hard to stomp out the church the last two and a half years? Because he knows the last day church is gonna bust his head for fun several times a day. All day, every day, and twice on Sunday. We're not a defeated church. We're a victorious church without spot or wrinkle, getting ready to make the greatest run that we've ever run. So rejoice and be glad. So rejoice and be glad. So rejoice and be glad. For the Lord has given you the victory. You passed the test. You came through as gold refined as fire. And now it's time to make one last run before that trumpet sounds and we go to meet our Lord Jesus in the air. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and give the Lord the highest praise you've ever given anybody.
Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Stay on your feet. Adonis, you have my Bible down there? What are, what are those scriptures? Or, or, or my phone, I mean. What are those scriptures I gave you in the notes? One second. Second Kings. Second Kings 1934. Go to 32. Second Kings 1932. This is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. His armies will not enter Jerusalem. They'll not even shoot an arrow at it. They'll not march outside its gates with their shields, nor build banks of earth against its walls. The king will return to his own country by the same road which he came. He will not enter this city, says the Lord, for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. I'll defend this city and protect it. Because of what David did, how many, how many years ago was that, Ada? 300 plus years before. This is 300 years after David died. God said, because of what David did there, I won't allow that to happen to the city. So when I was talking to these men of God, why do some cities feel different? Because of what my servant David did there. He took that place from me. I'm not going to let the enemy. You know, basically, you see the Old Testament, things acted out physically. And then the New Testament, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but that's what's happening in the spirit. Why have all these attempts to attack cities in the United States failed in almost every city? Rodney Howard Brown took that stand in Tampa. And the city council, every person that tried to shut his church down got kicked off the city council. This last election. I won't allow you to have the city because of what my servant did there. Some men never got to see the true result of their ministry. Smith Wigglesworth broke things open in the realm of divine healing. His books inspired all the ones that came after him, and there was that great healing revival, but he broke the ground. So if you're the first one into the city, break it. But then for people that have broken it, how come when I went to Toronto to preach? What are you doing here preaching? Why do you have to preach here? Can't you preach back in America? Then I find out they held Brother Shambuck at the border for two days. He had to get a lawyer to get into his auditorium he booked. They held Jimmy Swaggart there in the 80s, wouldn't let him into Toronto. Then I go to Saskatoon. What are you doing here? Preaching. Oh, that's great. What church? Tell them the church. Have a good revival meeting, Reverend. We need that up here. So I'm like, why does it feel different here? Then I walk here. It just feels different. It felt like I was in Texas when I was in Saskatchewan. Didn't feel like Ontario. So I look up on Google. Saskatoon Revival. Charles Price rented the ice rink in 1920 and held six weeks of meetings there. There were X amount of wheelchair people healed. Somebody broke it open. They took the ground for God. They cleared the devils out. Him and the man up the road, and I'm sure a few other servants we don't know about, did that for Florida, and what you saw the couple days ago was a residual effect of that. This state was taken for God. And now that you took it, it's time to have a victory party. 
It's time to start getting your faith up high. Now that the devils have been cleared out, what are you going to do now that you have the victory? Christians are some of the worst people with victory. They only know how to play from behind. They only know how to complain. They only know, uh, what, they only know how to press in if they're being attacked. They get diagnosed with cancer. You see them at every meeting. Then when they get healed, you see them here and there. But what would happen if now that you pressed in, people were nervous these last two years, fasting and praying. That, that 2020, I went on two 21-day fasts and one 40-day fast that year. And it was easy because I didn't feel like eating. I was, I, I went on a 21-day fast the day Pastor Rodney got locked up. I'm going to go have a meal while my friend's in prison. Oh, sorry to hear that, Brother Rodney. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh shoot, this is going down. They're coming for us now? Well then, the devil is going to have to take down the best version of me. He's not going to be coming for 1996 Mike Tyson. He's coming for 1985 Mike Tyson. Not 96 when the back was flabby. 85 when the back looked like he had muscles in places where I don't have places. Just the way he'd stand in the corner. I've never seen other boxers. Anybody 42 or older remember Tyson? I've never seen in my life since then. I've never seen fighters look like they didn't want to fight. Avoiding eye contact. He's in, over there with psycho eyes. He didn't even have a robe. Remember he'd come out with that hotel towel with a head hole cut out? I went to go see him fight Spinks at somebody's house. Somebody got the cable box back then, hooked it up, had 30 some people over. I went up to get a handful of nacho cheese Doritos and a handful of Cool Ranch and get the redneck uh, appetizer dish going. I went up and got it. When I turned around, Spinks was knocked out. I thought, devil, if you're gonna come for us, you're gonna, you're gonna have to take out the best version of me. I'll keep this fast going. And I thought we were gonna get arrested. So I might as well fast. I'm not, I've seen what they ate in prison. I went to go preach in the prison I would have got sent to. I saw what they fed them. Be easy fast. No toilet wine, thank you. I'm fasting. You're going to have to take down the best me. I turned, th I turned 40 that year. I thought, I'm going to consecrate the second half of my life to the Lord with a 40-day fast, just like I saw my dad do when I was uh, 18. If you're going to take me out, you're going to take out the best version of me. Fasting, praying, giving, everything there is to do that this word says gives victory. I'm going, to, I'm going to push in. And then we got the victory. So now what? Take the foot off the gas like Christians are the best at doing? Do you ever wonder why when Trump was in office and you had a Republican Senate and Republican House, nothing happened? And then when you had Biden in, Democrat House, Democrat Senate, Roe versus Wade gets flipped, one advancement after another, because Christians only know how to press in when they feel like they're getting defeated. We need to pray. You always need to pray. So what I'm parting with to the church in America, and specifically the church in Florida, now that you did everything that you did in following the leading of the Spirit to get to where we are right now, now's not the time to take the foot off the gas. Now's the time to put your boot on the neck of the devil and say, if you think I'm done, I'm just getting warmed up, baby. I'm going from glory to glory. 
victory to victory and strength to strength in Jesus' mighty name. Your best days are not behind you. These 11 months, I'll say, I'll say 13 months, because I feel like from this November through the end of next year, are ordained. You're going to start to see these kind of meetings where there's a pervasiveness of the anointing past what's going on. That's why all these people have been getting healed this week that I've not prayed for. Watching TV, watching live stream, healed watching, not called out. 58 people healed the one night when me and Preacher Jay were here that testified they were healed of major things, hole in the heart. Those aren't small things. A proliferation of the power of God that's going to be stronger and stronger. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. It's going to break out in the streets. I'm not talking sometime in the future. I'm talking from now through December. And it's going to be national. You hear me, Pastor Lou in Oregon? It's going to be national. Hear me, California pastors? It's going to be national. It's time to give the devil the worst butt whooping he's ever had. And remind him what happened 2,000 years ago. You lost. You're not over our head. You're not eye to eye. Jesus put you under our feet. And you're going to find out about it this year in Jesus' name. How many of you are with me? You know, this afternoon, while I was meditating on this and about national, I got a message from a national television station that they want me to come on and give my thoughts. They saw the Instagram live I did yesterday in my little condo room and want me to give my thoughts on the midterms and the GOP and all that national television station. So I get back from Ghana at 5.20 in the morning at New York City, and they tape in Dallas at noon. What does a preacher need a private jet for? I'm not going to be able to get there on a bicycle. <laughs> Me and Adonis are actually going to take our bags, clear customs and not check them back in, and have somebody pick us up and go straight to a plane. I'll land there after preaching at a church of 20,000 people for three services. Fly right back, hit the ground, hit the jet to Dallas, go on national television and tape three shows and tell what the Lord has to say about the political landscape of America. Amen. Who opened that door? Who opened that door? Jesus opened it. I'm in a, I'm in a different zone right now. This has been a different week of meetings, a different flow, and it's a better flow. I don't know what's, what's happened, but I'm, I'm going to stay in the flow. Different doors coming open. That's a, that's a different door. The way I carry myself, no one should want me anywhere near their ministry. <laughs> Shooting from the hip. Dressing like an escapee from a mental institution. <laughs> Jesus opened the door. And there'd be no way to get to Dallas without a private jet. And then Jesus opened the, the money for that to get the gospel out. Because should the Lord tarry, I'm gonna live about five lifetimes in one half of a lifetime. From now till Jesus comes, it's gonna be such a rapid, 
will scorn the head ever. Rapid acceleration. 200 to 1100 is not normal acceleration. It defies every church growth book that's ever been written. It's the Lord's doing. We have a young guy that goes to our church in Pittsburgh, started plugging in. He's got the, the top company now in that region in construction. He's like in his 30s. Dropped off a $100,000 check at the church. And it, that's, how, that's, that's how it's going to be from now until Jesus comes. Anybody that gets on board this train, it's a fast-moving, golden train. You can get on board. You don't have to. You can live in this world but not be of this world. All you got to do is kick one passenger off. Sin. I'm not going to live a compromised life. There's many people that have decided not to live according to this book and regret it. No one has ever made the decision to live in accordance with this book and not regretted it. Or in regret it. You'll never regret it. I've been following this thing since I was four. I'm not sitting at 42 going, I wish my mom would have let me go to prom. <laughs> Lose my virginity at 16 in the dumpsters behind the high school. No. I don't regret following the Bible. And you never will either. If you can testify to that, can you say amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to do that tonight. Some people just have one area of their life they've never surrendered to God. And the, the devil uses that to mess with them. The Bible says in the Song of Solomon, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Can you say with a clean heart tonight, Jonathan, I've given my whole life to the Lord. He has every part of me. I'm living on fire for God. I'm not cold. I'm not lukewarm. I'm on, I'm on fire. Many of you can say that. But if you're here tonight, you say, no, I can't say that. I've allowed something into my lifestyle that the Bible calls sin. Maybe you listen to a modern preacher that told you we all sin. Everybody sins. Don't worry about it. All your future sins are already forgiven, bro. And they are broing you to hell. You must be holy, even as I am holy. For without holiness, no man shall see God. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, I want to lay my head on my pillow on this Friday night, whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to lay my head on my pillow and know I have peace with God and my sins are all forgiven. Quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me and we're going to pray. That's a lot of hands. Very quickly, slip out from your seat and join me at the altar right now. We're going to pray. Come right now. Come unashamed, come boldly. Every hand that was lifted, join me at the front. This might be our biggest hall of souls yet. Come right to the front, right to the middle. Jesus loves you. If you lifted your hand, come. Tonight's your night. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus died for you. There's a better way. You guys coming to come up? You guys want up? Can you move that middle seat and let them up? In Jesus' name. Come, come right to the middle. In Jesus' mighty name. What a hall of souls. This is so great. We still have room. If the Lord's dealing with you, you can come right now. Praise God.
Anybody else before? Amen. That's awesome. They're making, they're making room so you can spread out. Oh, more. Are you coming up? Yes. You coming up? Come right up. With a t-shirt like that, you belong in heaven. <laughs> this is great. I think that's our biggest altar call of the week. Isn't that great? Lift both hands to the Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Say this from your heart out loud. Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. I'll never go backwards. I'm going to heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your hands lifted. Let me bless you. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The arrows the enemy used to use to harm you, they'll never strike their target again. The shield of faith quenches every fiery dart of the devil. Father, send your angels to help them and strengthen them and protect them on this journey to heaven. May they never take a step outside of the will of God the rest of their lives. The same grace you gave me as a young boy to love you and serve you, I loose that grace now onto them that serving Jesus would be the easiest, most enjoyable thing they've ever done. In Jesus' name. Before I pray, before I send you back, let me pray for this lady in the Ron John hooded sweatshirt. Come right up with me. Don't be nervous. I have good things for you. Amen. Stand right there. It's good enough. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Now, I believe everybody that came forward meant business with God. But you really meant business with God. You knew exactly what you were stepping out of and exactly what you were stepping into. And you said, whatever it costs me, I'm, I'm going to go with Jesus. And the Lord knows the cost and is honored by you laying down your life for him. So today he gives you a blessing on this stage. In Jesus' name. Be filled. That's it. With the Holy Ghost and fire. In Jesus' mighty name. Just stand and let the Lord touch you. More. 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 In Jesus' name. That's it. You're free. Free forever. Just stay there and let the Lord touch you. As God touches her, everybody that came here, welcome to the family of God. Your sins, your sins aren't only forgiven. The Bible says they're cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Literally, God doesn't remember one thing you did before 11, 11 p.m. Eastern time. Doesn't remember. Forgiven and forgotten. And so I want to give you one thing to do that will make sure this lasts. And it's not like a blip on the radar and then back to normal. 
Sunday at 10 o'clock, be in this church. I'm not the pastor here. I don't get commission off of how many people come. I'm telling you, it's a simple change that if you'll start the week in God's house, and you might have another church you go to, come here. Pastor Tom is a five-star pastor. I mean that. I'm not saying that because I'm here. And if you'll do that, turn your work schedule around, tell your boss that you can't come in 10 to 1. You know, you'd be there at 1.30. And they, they have to give you a day to worship. Mind if I pray for you in the gray shirt and headband? Lift both hands. Actually, I'm going to change my instructions. Put both hands where your belly is. You need healed, and the Lord's going to heal you right now. The old life is dead. Behold, all things become new, including all parts of your body that need to be made new. what the Bible says. That's it. Go right into you. Old things are dead. Behold, all things become new. And all things in the original Greek means all things. So it's new mind, new body, and your spirit's made new. Amen? I'll let you go and stand with whoever you're standing with, but before you do, give me your right hand one more time. Lift the other hand up to the Lord. Tonight, all your battles have been taken out of your hand and put into God's hands. In Jesus' name. Welcome to the family of God. You can go back to your seats. Give them a big hand clap as they go back to their seats. Give Jesus a great big hand clap at 11.14 p.m. on a Friday night. Lift your other hand to the Lord. Your faith just grabbed on your you. In Jesus' name, be whole. Amen. I like how you thought. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be whole. In Jesus' name. power of God's not only just so you can have a good feeling. It's driving everything that's of sickness and infirmity, anything that needs to go, leave right now. In Jesus' name. That's God's healing plan. I just, I'll just throw this out there. We couldn't afford health insurance growing up. You know, when my, when my dad was starting in the ministry, we got our health, we got our healings in meetings. You're battling somebody that was like, well, when you come to the meeting tonight, press in and believe for the Lord to touch your body. 
These healings are real. Give you, give you a heart with no hole in it. Give you a heart that works at 100% capacity. If you got vaccinated and you've been noticing you haven't felt right since you got it, the Lord, the Lord will take care of that. God will help you. God's a merciful God. Amen? I'm going to have the ushers I pray for you real quick before I pray for everybody else because I have a feeling you're going to be doing work. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Whatever impartation you've sought in this week of meetings, you've received it and the Lord completes it now. In Jesus' name. Everything good in my spirit, I loosen into your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Uh, I'm going to have somebody give you some direction on how they're going to line you up because we've got a lot of people here tonight. I would stay the extra. Now, you saw that video. I laid hands on 1,100 people in 40 minutes. And there's less than 1,100 people here. And I'm faster now than I was then because I was younger and learning. Don't miss this part. Stir up the gift that was put on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. How many of you are ready to receive something from the Lord?